Hey, hey, it's me, Big B, the Finale B, coming at you, as per not usual, up top here. Uh, I decided to come in up top so that once you get going, you can just enjoy the ride, because as you probably know, this right here is the final, final chapter of this story. That's right, part seven of our three-part finale, the last part of the Karthus arc with Duncan, Drasilia, and Jody. Uh, I'm going to be brief, but I have a couple of things to say. Firstly, sorry it's late, it's a crazy time, as I'm sure you all know far too well, and on top of that, this episode is really, really long, and uh, I just wanted to give it the time to get it right, uh, you know, just make sure we really stick the landing. And I'm really proud of the end result here, so hopefully it's worth the wait and you enjoy it. Secondly, and more importantly, thank you so much for listening to this and the rest of the show over the years. We're coming up on three years here at Curio and HGW Late, and it's been quite a ride. We want to thank you sincerely for your support. It's always such a joy to hear from listeners. We definitely wouldn't make the show without you. It's all for you. Uh, I don't want to overdo it here. Just really, sincerely, truly, thank you for coming along on this journey with us, and we hope you enjoy the end of it. Um... With that in mind, if you do like this finale, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Curio Network or at HTW Late. And if you like how we wrapped it up, uh, maybe tell a friend to go back and listen. They can jump right in with the recaps and go straight into the finale, or you can leave us a rating or a review on iTunes or somewhere, blah blah, you know the drill. Finally, I just wanted to give you an update on what'll be coming in this feed. Next week, we'll be throwing up the last of our banked live shows. Yes, next week, not in two weeks, because this episode threw us off by a week. Uh, that was a really great show. It's from our uh, recent run at Sydney Fringe, and I hope you're going to enjoy it. And then two weeks after that, we'll be posting a kind of post-show wrap-up for this story and some information on what comes next for the show, what that story's going to look like, when you can expect it, all that kind of stuff. Um, okay, I've already spoken for far too long, and I'm anxious for you to tuck into it, so I won't take up any more of your time. Just for the last time on this arc, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. I'm going to get a snack while that's all going on. Tom, can you please, please, please just tell me that you're not just going to eat a bunch of tasty cheddar? What are we talking about? What is happening? It looks like Tom's going to just chow down on a big block of cheese with, like, literally just a big block of cheese. But where did this come from? I don't understand. What did I miss? Tom went to his kitchen and came back with a kilo block of tasty cheddar. And I guess this is his wow. plan. Tom's now. trying to tank our recording with his lactose intolerance. Tom's hoping Duncan Dun dies about 30 minutes into this one so he can go shit his guts out for the rest of the day. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, you see, the funny thing is, when I'm because I'm a method actor, when I'm in character as Duncan, I don't have a lactose problem. <laughs> I see. So you need Duncan to survive, and in fact, this recording to go on forever. So that you're never... I just need this episode to take long enough that I can fully digest the cheese. <laughs> then I can go back to normal. I see. Hey, guys, I think that was a cold open joke. <laughs> that little bit about the cheese may have actually been the one. This is a tale of a strange and dangerous world, a world known as Carthus. This is an adventure full of magic, hardship, and friendship. This is a tale about a world at war, and the people who are forced to endure it. When ancient magic starts to stir, three unlikely heroes find themselves embroiled in a quest much larger than themselves. But, more than any of that, 
This is a story about how to win loot and influence dragons. Hello, and welcome to a world called How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. I am, as always, your omniscient dungeon master slash creator being, Ben McAllister, who will fly, who will cry, who will die. Find out in the thrilling conclusion of How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons. <laughs> wasn't really an intro so much as like a prologue (laughs) yeah i mean i yeah look i introduced myself and that's all i have to say about that i'm i'm me all right um okay well i'm not sure how one should communicate to a creator being um but um i'm a skeptic i don't think you made this (laughs) i'm jackson (laughs) oh wow a skeptical jackson if you're a skeptic, then frankly, I am uh, Thomas far too into the worship of this creator being zealous master of the fucking, what's that thing the, the Spanish yeah. did, inquisitionary order in service oh. of the great creator being Owen Oh wow, that was a really big yeah. middle. Like that was a really yeah. We all big, kind of yeah, forgot wow, that's okay. what I was doing, but it came back. No, yeah, wow, you got it. You got it there in the end. Um, all right, and I'm Grace, sect of the main religion leader, Chapel, um, which I think means that I'm just gonna really run us off the rails today. Yeah, wow, you're like a splinter splinter group. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, look. I wasn't thinking we were going to go down like a like a, a full religion vibe, but I'm very into it. What um, were you thinking, Ben? <laughs> like a <laughs> like a TV or movie announcer guy. Like a, I even did an inner world kind of thing. Like you know, there's all kinds of ones you could do with that. But uh, anyway, we're, we're here now with uh, where we've got. Look, Jackson. Uh, I'm gonna you be know honest. how last I week was, I blamed I myself for how off the rails these things get. I rescind <laughs> my apology, and I'm yeah. I'm squarely placed in the feet of you, Ben. Well, you know what, dude? I'm gonna cut that out. Squared <laughs> 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 being <laughs> has control. I take it all back. He is all powerful. This podcast is intelligently designed. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Hey, uh, so here's the thing for our listeners to be aware of. Um, for the last recording of this show, we decided it was going to be the very first ever one where we used video chat to record <laughs> rather than audio chat. So we're all looking at each other's faces and I guess just kind of coming to terms with that. Uh, so if that, you know, adds a bit of heat, then you know why. Is it because we're a good looking bunch? We've all just yeah, like, yeah. now been forced oh, to confront it? I should have worn my shirt that I undid the buttons on in episode one. Oh, wow. Do you have us it? full circle. I, I do. Yeah. I spilled beer on it last night, but I can put it on. Put, well, what would you do is at the end, in like the credits, you should come in and, and put the button back on. Wow. Like button yeah. it back oh. on. It's like close, close so it's the like, book. It's like opening the, opening yeah, the shirt the with story. the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like written, the tale was written in my chest here. <laughs> yes. Like the Skyrim logo. Yes! I'm um, so glad you remember. Uh, hey, so welcome, uh, fans, to our third take at the finale of this program. Uh, we're really, as I think uh, Jackson put up on the, the socials, we're like, 
what, five or six parts into our three-part finale, which I think is This will be part seven, right? Yeah. Yeah, this will um, be part seven. But, like, I just would not be surprised if throughout all of this we end up and being like, actually, maybe one more again. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, wouldn't that be so funny if we literally just, like, keep doing the show forever and every episode we're like, this is it, this is the last one. We see Snakesbane Spring, an unassuming settlement on the eastern edge of the Ashwood. Right now, it's the setting of a heated battle with the fate of the world hanging in the balance. But this isn't the first time that this small, otherwise insignificant patch of land has been central to the history of Carthus. Some thousand years prior, a group of the most powerful magic users this plane has ever seen played out a crucial chapter here. The Cine forged the Crucible, Maleficus created the Great Focus Gem, and with it, the beginning of the end for their group. We see them now, twelve powerful magicians and best friends standing in the Crucible at that moment. The air is tense. They seem to almost know what must come next. But they couldn't have predicted this. They couldn't have known that when the eleven of them, led by Elva, banded together to defeat Maleficus and break his gem, that they would only be postponing the problem. They couldn't have known that Maleficus would survive his imprisonment, escape, now madder and more dangerous than ever, to finish what he started. They may not have known the full extent of what they started that day, but regardless, it's up to our heroes now to finish it. We see the town above the mine where a furious battle rages today. The combined resistance forces are still outnumbered, but they're holding their own. We see Jathra barking orders and throwing herself into the fray with her Eastern League soldiers. We see Trent Allgood, leading a ragtag group of refugees and Hastings veterans armed with whatever they could salvage after being released. We see Mel the Farmer setting traps and distractions with her friends. And we see Hasselback, with the Monks of Sanctuary delivering flurries of unarmed strikes in coordinated attacks. Through the fray, the woman who freed Trent and brought Hasselback to the battle moves persistently towards her own ends. But this battle is not the only conflict taking place in Snakesbane Spring today. Elsewhere, our heroes, Duncan, Drusilia, and Jody, are each engaged in a confrontation of their own. Duncan scales the walls of the quarry to do battle with the werewolf and, hopefully, save Garrick while he's at it. Jody squares off against Esme, preparing to put his martial art skills up against her magic for the final time. And Drasilia forges an unknown path through a dark, empty tunnel. But she's soon to find out that she's not quite as alone as she first thought. Okay, so Drasilia quickly barrels down the rightmost tunnel on her own once again. And as she gets a few feet into the tunnel, she hears a voice in her head. And this voice says, So like Dandela. I almost thought it was her when I felt your presence. But it's just you, 
a shadow of your ancestor. Let me show you the world where you do succeed in stopping me. Let me show you what happens. Then you quickly see a vision of your parents, Enos and Clarence, and your sister, Cerulea, on their knees as soldiers stand over them, swords drawn. And a soldier rears back with their sword and brings it down on Cerulea first, and then the vision fades. And I need you to take a wisdom saving throw for me. Uh, 18. With that 18, Drazilia is disturbed by this image, but she realizes that it's not real. It's a lie. How could this voice, which she knows who it is, how could he know what the future holds? And she continues barreling unperturbed through this dark tunnel alone, and she sees a shimmering obstacle of light appear ahead of her. And I think at that, we're going to jump back around to Duncan. Duncan clambers onto the raised platform. Well, look, I didn't say that. I never Go said on. any of that. Okay, okay. Um, what is Duncan doing? So as when he's at the very base of the rocks, he's going to very quietly shift his uh, hunter's mark onto the werewolf, for one thing. Okay, nice. Then that makes sense. as he's climbing up, he's gonna just, like, sort of get that drang in him. <laughs> <laughs> he's climbing up one-handed and just fucking <laughs> inhaling drang. Yeah. And then, uh, now you said the werewolf put Garrett down behind him, didn't you? I did. Yeah, so... Duncan, as he gets to the lip of the ledge, is going to, as a bonus action, cast Misty Step and teleport behind the werewolf, then charge at him with his sword. And basically my aim here... Get between him and Garrick? Yeah, so the idea is we did behind the werewolf so that the werewolf is between me and the edge of the ledge and I want to run at him sword first hopefully skewer him and run him straight off the edge. Okay, I will say the ledge is is deep, like it's a good like 30 feet deep, and the werewolf is standing like right in front of Garrick. There's not a lot of space in between them. He's standing in like a guard position in front of Garrick uh, for the moment. But you can definitely teleport in between them. You're not going to get much of a run up on this attack. You're just going to be standing behind him between him and Garrick. Is that still your plan? Yeah, I think that's still my plan. I'll, I'll just take it then if I can to get surprise on him because I've got... My, I think it's my brain, just something gives me advantage on surprise. I can't find where the actual thing is. I know you were giving it to me anyway before, but... Yeah, I think you're right. You do have advantage on attacks that are surprises. That's right. So, so to clarify, this is instantaneous. As soon as you pop up onto the lip of the uh, edge, you are not taking a look around. You're not surveying the scene. You're instantly misty-stepping behind the werewolf. Yeah. Okay. I'll say with your... Drang heightened senses and your drang powered muscles. I'm going to say what that means, by the way. The drang is going to put your um, strength and dexterity both up by two, but reduce your intelligence and wisdom by two. Uh, charisma, kind of a wash. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's it's like battle meth in my in yeah, my yeah. opinion. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, battle yeah, okay. meth. You 
you know, just like regular meth, I suppose. Is he angry? Um, <laughs> you you teleport behind the werewolf and yeah, take your surprise attack on the werewolf here, uh, and then we're gonna go straight into initiative order. So roll initiative for me while you're at it. Um, my initiative is twenty two. Alright, so first attack is twenty four to hit. And um, uh, 24 to hit. Let me just quickly uh, check the werewolf's armor class. I'm just going to need to pull that one up for you. No worries. Uh, 24 is definitely going to be higher than his armor class. Um, but yeah, you you strike into the back of this werewolf, this man that you've hated. And yeah, give me the damage. 11 plus 9. 20 damage on that one. 20 damage. Is he actually a werewolf? Or is he just called a werewolf? <laughs> He's not a werewolf. Okay. A um, werewolf? <laughs> Uh, he's not a werewolf as far as you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you get the rest of your, you get the rest of your round. Yeah. Uh, 26. Uh, yep, that hits his AC. Uh, 24 damage. Yes, okay, he takes that 24 damage, and he, he winces in pain as each of these, uh, strikes arc across his back. Uh, he, he stumbles forward, but not out of your attack range, just, you know, uh, in, in, in flavor, stumbles forward. And, uh, you've got one more attack, I believe? Yep. Okay, that's a critical. Thank fuck, that's Way. what I was looking for. I'm gonna, oh, nice. I'm gonna use a, um, menace, uh, superiority dice as well on the damage. Yeah, give me that full damage. 15 on the first set of dice. 16 on the second set of dice. So that's 31 plus a normal 9. That's 40 damage. Christ on a bike. The critical <laughs> the critical hit gives me a free attack. It's the same as killing somebody. Really? Yep. Is that true? Yeah. Fuck me. Okay, yep. Give me that good juice. Um, that one's 24 to hit. Yep. 15 plus 9, 24 damage. Okay, he takes that damage. So what I want you to picture here is Duncan gets up onto the platform, he teleports and just immediately unleashes a flurry of sword strikes into the back of the werewolf, uh, who who turns after the first one uh, to face you, pulls up his sword to parry, but your rage and surprise still gets the better of him for... uh, Four consecutive hits, and he uh, draws a breath. Just in just in case it's not clear, he does get to draw a breath because you know speaking and the associated breathing is a free action. But the crazy thing is action surge. I'm going to do all of that again. <laughs> what? <laughs> that is absurd. Oh my god! Okay, Ducard's been saving every nuke he has for this attack. <laughs> yeah. So okay, next attack. Ah, uh, that's a critical. Nice. Um, which Fuck means me. I'm so a, we're gonna get an. Oh Jesus! Means another Christ. menace as well. So it's eighteen on the first set of dice, then twenty-three on the next. So that's forty-one plus my normal nine. That's fifty damage. Fifty damage on the crit. Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, next one is nineteen plus fourteen to hit, um, but. Uh, not yep. Nine, 18 damage. Then Got it. <laughs> the next one's another crit. Jesus Christ. Okay, give me this crit attack, Duncan. I need it. 20, uh, 25 from the first set of dice. <sighs> yep. 19 plus 
six is 25. Yeah, so two 25s. Um, uh, so that's 50 plus my nine. That's 59. Fuck me. So totally f- another 59. Okay, yes, so, so let's let's see what happens here. Okay. As Duncan brings this sword down into the werewolf's side for his next critical attack, his seventh strike in a row against his arch nemesis, something happens. You see... Some time ago, Duncan took this very ancient greatsword and he used it in a slightly unconventional way. He used oh it my God. to hold a door open no. in the Temple of Silence. <laughs> and the chip in the blade of the sword that was created at that very moment comes back to bite as Duncan's blade shatters to the hilt on the side of the werewolf's armour. Oh my god. Duncan's standing there, holding the hilt of a greatsword, having dealt a a frankly disgusting (laughs) amount of damage to his greatest nemesis, who's standing there, winded, holding the wound in his side, and he looks down at the shattered blade and smirks and says, Well, you've definitely gotten stronger, but it looks like your luck's run out, Duncan. And do you have another attack this round? I think you do. Or did you already use your bonus action so you don't get it because you crit? Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you get one per round. Yeah, yeah. So just quick, quick damage counter. Uh, Duncan has dealt 238 damage total this round. <laughs> Did you say 200? 238, <gasps> yeah, with seven seven attacks. What? <laughs> but he's now without a greatsword is the thing. <laughs> okay, so Duncan is without a greatsword as the werewolf raises his hand, his empty, non-sword-wielding hand, and I need you to take a constitution saving throw for me. Is he a caster? <laughs> Not when you knew him, Duncan. Not when you knew him. Um, is he within five feet of me? Uh, I mean, he yeah, must I would be, say right? so, given you've been attacking. Yeah, cool. Well, because I took the Mage Slayer feat, I actually now yeah. get a free attack against him. <laughs> without um, without a without a great sword, <laughs> you get a free attack against yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I'm allowed to draw that, a pike in, as part of my attack, aren't I? Uh, yeah, I think so. But is this is this in response to his spell casting that he just did? Yeah. Okay. So, does the spell happen first, or does your attack happen first? Uh, good question. Mage Slayer. When a creature within five feet of you casts a spell, you can use your reaction to make a melee weapon attack against that creature. Probably afterwards? Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's make it a simultaneous thing. First thing I want you to do is take a constitution saving throw for me. Um, sure thing. Now, did was he concentrating on anything when I hit him before? Because he's at disadvantage on his concentration checks when I attack him. He was not concentrating on anything. Okay. Um, so I have advantage on my saves against a spell that's cast within five feet of me. So thankfully I can ignore the one I rolled and use the 18. Did you say a constitution saving throw? I did say a constitution saving throw. This guy knows me and he's using con saves on me. I get 27 all up. Jesus Christ. Okay, (laughs) good. So with your 27, that means you're only going to take half of this damage uh, as it uh, slams into you with a uh, ray of necrotic uh, power. And you're going to take... 
You're going to take 28 necrotic damage and feel that energy sucked out of your body. Go ahead and make your pike attack. He's now acted, so I'm going to rule you no longer have advantage on this attack. Um, so, pike attack. Pike attack. <laughs> I don't want you to, to have that plus uh, whatever for your fucking uh, broadsword, my man, because this is a, a non-magical pike that's being used right now. It's not magical for the moment. I'll deal with that in a second. Oh, shit. Yeah, 14 to hit. Unfortunately, and very on canon, this pike bounces uselessly off the side of the werewolf as you take that damage, and chuckles again. But now I want to run around to my boy Jody Mastana. Jody, separated yep. from you, standing in the tunnel underneath the quarry, underneath Snakesbane Spring, you see Esme, the woman who assaulted your home, the woman who led the attack that killed your friends. Roll initiative for me. Oh, fuck, I, I rolled a one. <laughs> um, okay, she rolled better than a one, which means... So, uh, for your context, Esme's thing here, her whole thing was a delay tactic, so that's why she didn't, like, just keep attacking you guys. She's waiting for you to make the first move. But given she sees you turn around and not make the first move, uh, she decides, why not just use a spell on you? And she instead decides to just fucking let loose with a cone of cold that emanates from the tip of her wand and out at Jody. Jody is enveloped by this uh, buffeting cone of sleet and snow. And I need you to take a constitution saving throw for me. Uh, perfect. That'll be uh, 16 plus 8. Uh, so 24. <laughs> Yeah, nice. Okay, so you're only going to take half this damage because remember no, you only not, get your oh, you only get your no dex, damage yeah, on dex right, saves. Yeah. yeah. That's right. um, so I'm going to need you to take just uh, just twenty uh, twenty cold damage as these uh, spheres of you sort of hunker down as you see it coming. You like get into like a protective position and these like large globules of ice smack your body and yeah, you take that damage. But now it's your turn. What do you do? Uh, I rush her. You fucking rush her. Okay, nice. Yep. Uh, you charge over to Esme. She's standing before you. What do you do? All right. Um, so... Sorry, one second. I'm just, I've just got all my things up because I have just so you, many. You've um, been planning, she, have you? <laughs> yeah. If she could make a constitution saving throw. Um, okay. First one is a 28 to hit. Uh, her constitution saving throw is 19. Uh, what's my spell save? Um, does she need to beat my DC or match it? Match it. Uh, it, my, it is 19. That's okay. Um, if she could take 15 damage, and then I'm going to strike okay. her again. And yep. she could These take are magical attacks, of course. Yep, yep. If she could take another con save for me. What are you attacking her with? My his fists. fists, right? Yeah, nice. What? And he's they holding count as the piece in his hand. He's just holding the piece in no, his no, hand. No, no, no. My, fi my fists count as magical. Yeah, another con save. Yep. Uh, that one is 18. Great. She is stunned for a round. She's um, unfortunately not. Uh, great. <laughs> she, she has a condition. She has a condition immunity on that one. Um, she knows who she's fighting. She knows who she's up against. All right, that's fine. That's another fifteen damage. Um, she eats it as your fist pummels into her stomach, and you you hear a breath exhale from her. That's cool. Uh, and then I guess my third attack in my round will be twenty-four to hit. Um, that'll be nine damage. 
And now I'm going to flurry of blows. Nine damage, nice, okay. You're just pummeling her. So Jody charges across the distance between the two and just starts unleashing his fists as hard as he can into the body of Esme. She's so far taken several pummels. How many more to come? Uh, so that's 30 to hit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, perfect. That'll be uh, 13 damage. Jesus. Um, and then uh, ooh, that one will be only an 18 to hit. Okay. Um, it's 18 that hit. does hit. Yeah, 18 hits. Yeah, so you, as your fist, I'll say, as your fist um, punches into her, you feel uh, more resistance than you would expect her bare skin and cloth to have. You feel some kind of magical barrier permeating her skin, but that's fine. you still hit her. Um, so that's seven damage. Uh, she can't take uh, reactions, um, and then... Um, Did else? you use your additional action? Uh, yeah. Sorry? Did you use your additional action from haste? Yeah, so I, I, I did three regular attacks and then uh, used my bonus action for um, a flurry of blows. She can't take reactions now. Um, and uh, on that last strike, if you were watching closely, you might have seen a diffusion of energy from Jody's hand. Oh, boy. Um, okay, so how much damage did she take? On that last one was seven. Were you counting or not? <laughs> yeah, I've been counting. Great. Yeah, so that was seven on that last one. Okay, good. I already got that. Okay. Back around on Esme's turn, she reels back from that attack that you just dropped on her, and she composes herself, and then she clasps her necklace and utters a word, and Jody, I'm afraid for you, time just kind of stops for a minute, and Esme has cast the spell Time Stop which means she's now going to take 1d4 plus 1 turns in a row. Uh, and we're just going to see what happens there. Rolling that d4. She rolled a 2, so she's going to take 3 turns in a row. <laughs> and she runs past Jody, uh, so she's out of his melee range, and she says some words that Jody can hear as she's lining up her spells. She says... I'm going to take my time with this. Oh, Jody. So self-righteous, Jody Mastana. You think you're better than me and Maleficus and what we're doing here. Well, I know you, Jody. Or should I say, Jojo Snibbins. <laughs> I know about what you did in Hanelport to survive. And can I jump into a quick flashback sequence here where we're back in the Temple of Silence and Jody is telling his secret, his secret that we held on to, that we said we would announce to the viewers later or the listeners later. And what was it that Jody said? Um, yeah, at, at his lowest point, struggling in Hamilport, Jody, uh, who was a sailor at one point, was also a pirate. Um, and that those pirates were violent, and uh, on, while he fought, he didn't kill anyone, uh, and then on one occasion, out of self-defense, uh, he did actually uh, murder someone as a pirate. Um, Whoa. Yeah. Nice. She says, I know you kill to get what you want, Jody Mastana, and how does killing innocents for your own gain make you any better than me or Maleficus? We're trying to reshape the world in a new, beautiful vision. And uh, then she drops the first of her three spells on you. Did we ever find out how 
um, Maleficus and Esme listened to those secrets? Not explicitly. It's kind of implied. It's kind of implied in the in the thing, and that's maybe something we can talk about in the post show. But in the meantime, uh, let's press forward. Okay, it looks like with time stop, she gets to take her turns, so she's using this opportunity to monologue at you. But the second she casts an offensive spell, uh, it's going to be over. So she instead decides to charge up. She casts two spells on herself, and then uh, she turns back towards Jody and drops. Big dookie. <laughs> She drops a spell which shakes Jody out of his reverie and uh, out of his time-stopped situation. And I am going to need you to take a constitution saving throw for me, Jody Mistana. 14 plus 8 is 22. Okay, so you're only going to take half this damage. That's also very good for you. Yeah, so half of that damage is just another 24 uh, necrotic damage as you feel some of your vital essence sucked out of your body. And... uh, as we get back around to Jody's turn, I'd like to head over to Drazilia. Drazilia, you've been walking alone through this dark tunnel underneath the mine, and you arrive at a magical barrier blocking the way. It's similar to the barrier at the front of the mine, but because you didn't fail your wisdom saving throw against Maleficus speaking incessantly in your head, poisoning your mind with whispers of a dark future... You don't have any disadvantage on any actions that you're going to take. Maleficus has spoken in your head, presenting you with visions. Do you want to say anything back in your brain to Maleficus, or are you ignoring him? Um, yeah. I think she definitely would try. Um, maybe she says, Yeah, well, pretty soon you'll be telling Dandela just how unlike her I am. <laughs> a taunt a taunt at Maleficus okay uh, you you hear a, a chuckle a dark chuckle and uh, the voice says we'll see about that and you're standing before this magical barricade and what do you do Trezilia? Um can I take an insight check see what sort of spell yep. it is oh fuck six <laughs> yep you, you don't know anything other than it looks similar to the barrier at the front of the mine. Okay. Ooh, well, Drazilia's going to just put her hand on it and see if I can <laughs> rustle up any of that latent magical energy. Yeah, you're going to try and use that same spell you felt yes. uh, Elva use? Is that the shape of yes. it? Okay. I mean, I'll say that spell's passed through you, so like you... You have a shape of it, right? You're, you're, you're a sorcerer, which means your magic is kind of intuitive. You don't learn it from books. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. having felt that, you you can try this spell. You can try it. I'm going to need a spell casting check from you. Okay. You don't have disadvantage because you passed your check uh, on the last round. So go ahead and give me that spell casting check. <laughs> she didn't waste all the nat 20s. She got oh, another fuck! one. Oh, fuck! <laughs> She just tells Maleficus, like, I'm going to kill you, you little bitch, and then puts her hand on the barrier, and a surge of magical power, more powerful than she's felt before, almost as if it's supported by some other kind of energy, surges through her body, and this barrier dissipates underneath her hand. She sees the tunnel extending away from her, down into the darkness in the mine, underneath the town. Does she continue on? Yeah. Almost blindly. (laughs) Okay, she continues to barrel down the tunnel alone through the darkness, but not 
completely alone because she has a voice in her head. And it says, maybe there's a bit of dandelion in you after all. So, what is it you want, Trezilia? I just... I just want to be free. And right now, that means being free of you. He chuckles and says, To be free. Well, there's another take on that, Trezilia. Do you know what the power of these gems will enable me to do? You've got a choice right now. You can throw down your assault, let me complete my job, and then I promise you, I'll use that power to help you live whatever kind of future you want. Join me. Join me in Esme. Use this power for something other than just fighting. Use it to reshape the world into your own vision. Look, you're talking to the wrong Drazilia. A year ago, I might have listened to you. But I don't turn my back on my friends. Bah! Just like Dandela, just like Elva, just like the rest of them. You say you don't turn your back on your friends. Let me show you what's happening to your friends right now. And all of a sudden, your mind is filled with a vision. One is of Duncan on his back, spitting blood and teeth out of his mouth as the werewolf brings a sword down in his direction. And then the vision cuts to Jody also on his knees, standing before Esme with a wand tip pointed directly at his forehead, and you see a bloom of magical power appear at the tip, and he says, It may not be too late to save them if you turn back now. And can I get you to take another wisdom saving throw for me? Oh, God. Oh, shit. 18. With an 18 wisdom saving throw, you don't know whether this is true, but you don't feel compelled to believe it. But you do see these visions of Duncan and Jody essentially being killed behind you. What do you think Drazilia does with that? She reminds herself that they'll all be killed anyway if Maleficus gets his way. And she's going to try and if she was able to speak back in her mind, I want to see now if she can block the voice in her mind. Okay, so she just tries to silence it. Yep. Um, give me a wisdom check. Oh, okay. It's bound to run out eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's an eight. She, she puts up a barrier and she feels Maleficus just penetrate right through it. And she keeps running down this corridor alone with this voice incessantly nattering in her head, presenting her with visions of a dark future. And eventually, she feels the tunnel narrowing, and she arrives at an endpoint. Sitting atop a pedestal is a glowing basin. back at the base camp south of Snakesbane Spring. She receives a message on her sending stone from Alva, who's with the rest of the refugees at Sanctuary. 
Elena, I know we don't know how secure this line is, so I don't want details of troop deployments or anything, but please, just... How's it going? It's hard to say. I'll let you know when I know more. I'm sorry, Alva. Elena replies as she crackles into static. At Sanctuary, Alvar rubs his temples and heads outside to report the lack of new information to Drasilia's parents and the rest of the group. Elena, at the base camp, drops one sending stone and picks up another. She contacts Jathra. Commander Jathra, sit rep. It's fairly even right now. After the initial surprise, we breached the walls, but it's been slow since then. We've lost more than I'm comfortable with, and they've regrouped from the initial rout. We got some unexpected reinforcements, some friends of Duncan, Drasilia, and Jody I'm given to understand, but we could definitely use a few more experienced hand to guide these resistance forces. They've certainly got grit, but they lack structure. I guess you'll just have to make do and put our faith in Jody, Duncan, and Drasilia to finish things off on their end. Eh, I guess we do. And with that, Jathra returns to the battle at hand, and Elena like Alvar, returns to blind worrying. I would like to jump back around to Duncan. So, Duncan, it is the end of your turn and the beginning of the werewolf's turn. No, he just had his turn. He cast a spell on me. That's true, he did cast a spell on you. That was the first of his... Sorry, he gets multiple things to do. He has legendary actions. (laughs) He cast that spell on you. He's still doing shit. I just cut in the middle of his turn for the sake of flavour. So... He stares you down, draws his sword back against your uh, pike-equipped form, and swings it down at you twice. I am going to roll those attack rolls now. Okay, the first one is a 20 non-critical. I'm trying to decide whether or not to cast shield. Um, I'm going to take it. Okay, you take the hit, uh, and for that hit, you receive a... I just dropped my fucking dice. Uh, You receive a... (laughs) 16 slashing damage and 7 necrotic damage as this blade carves across your skin. I think you're beginning to recognise that maybe the werewolf has changed since you last saw him. The second attack is 18 and he says to you, Duncan, this is foolishness. We both want the same thing here, which is for this war to stop. I can stop it by killing you here and letting Maleficus finish his job, or we can stop it together by throwing down our arms and helping Maleficus finish the job. Uh, he misses you as he says that. I think Duncan probably just sort of like cocks an eyebrow and is like, why are you bothering to talk to me? And then um, I am actually going to try... Um, I just want to see how grapple works and how hard it will be to move him. I think, like, we've, we've looked at this before and we've realised that grapple actually doesn't really do much other than not let them run away from you. But the ruling I would make is that you'd have to enter, like, a strength contest to, to try and move him. I see. I want to know how hard that would be and if I can use my advantage on lifting. Where the fuck is this? Oh, shoving a creature. Instead of making an attack roll, you make a strength athletics check contest by their strength athletics. If you win, you either knock the target prone or push it five feet away from you. How far from the edge is he? Way more than five feet. Like, it's a 30-foot deep ledge that you guys are fighting on. So how far from the ledge is he? Like, 20 feet? Yeah, 15, 20. Um, 
You're going to uh, try and shove him four times, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I think I am. Um, <laughs> Dukon just gets up and he's just like, no, I won't do it. And he just starts shoving, shoving him backwards. Uh, this is probably insane, isn't it? I will say, he's, he's looking weak, by the way. Like, I did say he's looking kind of bloodied and he's breathing heavy, for sure, given the, the punishment yeah, you dumped on him yeah. in the last round. I'll, 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 just, I'll, just, I'll just poke him with a pike. Nice. So first, first poke. Make those pike pokes. Um, 22 to hit. That hits. Um, um, 12 damage. Is that, that all up? 12 all up? Of course, because you don't get various bonuses. Yep, nice. Yep. Okay, yep. Then you, you I'm get actually going to use 12. my bonus action to decide to use my planar warrior damage on him. So this nice. is actually now going nice, to be nice, a nice. force attack. Um, uh-huh. Again with the pike. Uh, 23 to hit. Yep. Then, uh, and I'm actually going to make this um, a menace attack as well. To get some extra damage in there. Oh, I forgot to do my Hunter's Mark on the last one, so I'll just roll two Hunter's Marks with this one. So, that is... How much is the Force damage, and how much is the Hunter's Mark? Hunter's Mark is um, a four and a two. One last time, one this time. Okay. Then the Force damage is... 19. Oh, fuck me. Okay, nice. Uh, you, you feel that wave of force from your planar warrior feature hit him, and it looks like it hits different, if you know what I mean, yeah. uh, to, to some of the other attacks that you've been metering out against this motherfucker. And uh, he takes that 19 damage, and uh, he looks surprised, and he says, I guess I'm not the only one who's changed. Uh, and then, is that Duncan's turn, or have you got one more attack? I've got one more attack. So okay, I'm going to stab him in the face again with my pike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm desperately trying to come up with something remotely, remotely better than this. Um, I'm shish kebab him. 26 to attack. Yep, um, yep, 26 hits. It's just a normal fucking bike attack. Um, Against, like, the big bad. Just, just a normal yeah, bike. 11, 11 damage. <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, uh, he takes that eleven damage from your pike. Oh, sorry, and hunter's mark, hunter's mark as well. Uh, one more damage. Oh fuck! And okay. I didn't add strength to any of those damage, so three more damage. That bonus strength from the drain. Okay, he takes all that hunter's that, all that damage from your pike attack, triggering his legendary action at the end of your turn, Ugh. where he reaches out in your direction and blasts you with a whirlwind. You are blasted backwards and knocked prone uh, on this platform, and the werewolf charges over to you using his regular attack with advantage because you're prone, and brings his weapon down on you multiple times. The first one is an 18 against your AC. That does not hit. Okay, the next one is a 27 against your AC, and you are going to take... 27 uh, combined slashing and necrotic damage as you feel this dark web-infused blade uh, scrape against your skin. He's standing over you as you're there prone on the ground. It's the end of his turn, and we're going to jump back around to Jody. but before that happens, you hear a thud as something hits the ground a few feet to your left next to Garrick. And we'll come back around to what that is in a minute. Um, okay. 
Jody Mastana, you've just been dunked on uh, with two spells by Esme. She's standing 30 feet away from you in this tunnel. Uh, she knows there's no distance she can go that you can't cover with a free dash. So uh, she is ready for you. What do you do? Um, well, in times like these, there aren't <laughs> that many things I can do. Um, so, yeah, g- give, give me a layout of the land again. She's standing just for, It's just like a straight cylindrical tunnel. Um, in one direction, you know, is the entrance to the mine that you came in through. In the other direction is where the tunnel branches off into three. And between you and where the tunnel branches off into three, because she swapped sides with you, is Esme. She's standing there in the tunnel. It's your turn. She's waiting for you to go. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think Jody is aware that he can't leave her as a possibility. So there's no point trying to flee or anything. Um, he also yeah, needs Jody- the peace that she's got around her exactly, neck, for sure. Exactly. Um, so Jody charges her again. Okay, great. What does Jody do with his attacks? What's like, give, like, how does Esme look? Does she look like like she's been battered or something like that, or like she looks like winded, but not like not a, like she's not she's not like fucked, right? Um, I think jo- I think Jody just looks at her and then like you know using free actions in his turn, but basically just like sort of speaks to her and is like, "Why see this through? Surely you can see that that Maleficus." The path that he is taking you on, it would, it could lead to the destruction of everything. There is no... Why rule over the ashes? You don't know what he's capable of. You don't know what I am capable of. Yeah. And Jody, Jody raises his hand, and there's like a sort of like, I think like a shimmering, obsidian-esque sort of like energy around it and that sort of thing. What? And I think that sort of energy is probably emanating from... Uh, Esme's chest as well. What? Uh, because earlier, when Jody was laying down those those sweet beatings, uh, he definitely used quivering palm uh, to set up that whole uh, cause and effect. On Imperceptible Esme. vibrations in Esme. Yep, yep, yep. Oh god, what happens now with quivering palm? How does it work out? I, I I think I think Jody's holding it there and letting her see like the energy sort of like crackling and just like give me. Please, give me one reason to keep you alive, to give me one shred of evidence that you can change, that there's some good in you, Esme, please. How does Quivering Palm work, dude? Like, if you end those vibrations, is she just dead, or does she get a save? She gets a save, uh, but even if she saves, she takes... She's reduced um, to zero hit points. No, no. So, she, so, so she's reduced to zero points if she if yeah, she yeah. fails, yeah. And then if she saves, it's like I think ten d ten. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh Christ on a bike. Okay. Um. She says to you, Jody. Think about this for a moment. Espera, the place you called home, the Cine built it. With the pieces that they had, with the gem in its full form, with its power. If you help Maleficus reclaim that power, we could set up so many places just like Espera, sanctuaries for people to live in our beautiful new world. She says, with, you can see, a hint of madness behind her eyes. I think, like, Jody is, like, you know, getting a little misty in the eyes, um... Tell me you can change. Is setting up more places like Esperon not enough for you? 
I think um I think Jody uh, can I take, can I take an insight check? Yes. Oh great, perfect a nineteen. What a fun. So that's a nine. That's thirty on insight. <laughs> does yep. is is there? Does Jody believe that Esme would ever stop this like pursuit of power, or, or is she just like completely broken into it? You see something in Esme that you've seen the last couple of times that you've encountered her, which is that you know that she's afraid. She's afraid, she's out of her depth, she doesn't know what she's got into with Maleficus. But she also knows, or at least believes, that she's in too deep. And there's no way out for her. But that she, you, you know that, like, she's mainly acting out of, like, yeah, she feels like she's, she's trapped in this course of action. I'm sorry. And then Jody closes his fist, which, like, closes the compression of space in her chest. Okay. She's going to take a constitution saving throw. What's the DC? 19. She rolled a five. (laughs) I don't think she's got (laughs) enough bonuses. Esme's chest caves in around her heart, compressing her heart in place. And... She drops to the ground of this corridor, to her knees, gasping for breath, and falls to the side with zero hit points. Now, she's not dead. She's been reduced to zero hit points. What does Jody do? I think Jody takes, like, the robe from Espera that he brought and, like, starts tearing it into, like, sort of strips. And then he ties and, like, binds her, like, leaves her gagged and that sort of thing and then uses Spare the Dying to stabilise her, and then moves forward. Fuck yeah, dude. Jody quickly, attentively, uh, medically medically handles Esme so she doesn't die, takes the piece, I assume, from her necklace, if I may assume, if I may be so bold. Yeah, 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 you may assume. And uh, <laughs> arrives at the three tunnels. Which one does he go down? Uh, he follows Druzzy. Okay. We're going to come back around to Druzzy. Druzzy, you're standing before uh, this uh, platform uh, that has on it this basin, and you recognise it for a moment. It looks kind of like Luthor's basin that you took out of the Temple of of Sky, and it's sitting there on this plinth before you. What do you do? I'm going to take a quick shifty around. Have a look. Like a, just a look around? Yep. Okay, take a perception check. 14. Uh, yeah, that's what you see. It's sitting there on the platform. It looks like Luthor's Basin, man, and it's it's right there in front of you. Okay, I'm going to walk up to it. You walk over to it? Yep. It's a basin sitting on a platform. What do you do? I touch it. Okay, you touch it. Can I get you to take a charisma saving throw for me? Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just flat charisma? Well, saving throw. So if you've got proficiency in that, then you get that too. Oh, right. Um, 22. Oh, fuck. 22? Yeah. On God? 22 for real? Yep. 22 FR? <laughs> okay. Um, oh, shit. FR? 22 FR? FR. <laughs> um, you grab this basin with both hands and... All of a sudden, 
you feel this like coursing, pulsating energy run through it, through your arms, vibrating through your entire body, and then you feel this bizarre sensation of like a collapse. And you're seeing double, and then you're seeing triple, and you're seeing three tunnels with now four people walking through them. And as you grab this basin and pass your check, those three visions before you collide into one. You collapse the magic separating these tunnels, and you're standing next to a shocked Elva and Valeria, both looking a little bruised and battered from what they experienced in their parts, standing at the head of that pack with Jody some way behind, and up ahead of you, up ahead of all of you, is a staircase that rises up into darkness. For listeners who are paying attention to the voice uh, over at the start and end of episodes the last couple of months, this is a staircase we once saw Maleficus and Esme walking up as they approached the Crucible. Elva exhales, Valeria gasps, and uh, yeah, you guys are all together. What do you do? I think Jazelia runs over and gives Jody a hug. She's pretty stoked. Oh, stroking. that is a beautiful moment. <laughs> he didn't die. Yeah, that's that's truly beautiful. Okay, so I think at that, you guys are standing at the foot of this staircase that leads up to the Crucible proper, and we're going to jump back around to Duncan. He's on his back, the werewolf is standing over him, and something has just thudded to the ground to his left. What is it? Duncan looks over to his left and sees the lithe body of Andrea standing there, Next to the bound and gagged Garrick, furiously unbinding his hands and removing the gag from his mouth. And she looks up and says, Hey, asshole, to the werewolf, who whips his head in their direction. Duncan, it's your turn. What do you do? He's distracted, which I'm going to say gives you advantage on these rolls. How far from him to the ledge? Let's say 15 feet. Cool, cool, cool. Well, I am going to, if he's 15 from the edge... I'm going to uh, use a shove, so it's strength athletics, he can oppose it with athletics or with acrobatics. Okay, athletics or acrobatics he gets to oppose it with. Yeah. It's going to be athletics that he's going to try and use. Yeah. Uh, I've rolled it's a 12. 20, and I add 10, so <laughs> he's got to be 30 if uh-huh. he wants to. Yeah, so wait, you rolled a natural 20? I rolled a natural 20. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, dude. He rolled a 10, so you've, you've got him. He's shoved backwards. Uh, what, what does that do? Um, that moves him back five feet, so it's now 10 between him and the ledge. I have 25 feet of movement. It costs half to stand up, so uh, yeah. I've got 12.5 feet of movement. So was that like a two-footed kick with those powerful Duncan legs? <laughs> uh, yeah, why not? <laughs> well, to, to be a shove from the ground, I think that, that tracks. Yeah. Um, I And then going to move five feet up to him, which means I still have seven and a half. I'm going to make a grapple attack on him. Um, okay. Which is the exact same opposition. Yep. And he has to be 29 this time, rolled a 19. Yeah, man, he, he rolled a four. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's rolling like big Greta Garbo over here. Uh, <laughs> you, you grapple him. What, what do you do with that? I then... Move my last seven and a half feet forward, which is at half speed because I have him in my grapple, moving him uh-huh. forward with me. So I move him about three and three quarters feet. He's now 
just over six feet from the edge. Uh-huh. And I'm going to do one more shove. Uh, he's got to be 20 this time. Roll the 10 plus 10. Well, he rolled his best roll yet, but with his only plus four on athletics, that still only brings him up to 19. Oh. So uh, he eats that shove and he stumbles to the ledge. He's now standing, you know, just, just one foot between him and a, a perilous fall. Is that your turn? That is. That is. Okay. I'm saying that Andrea had to use her action, her turn, to try and uh, untie Garrick. I think I probably also shout, uh, get him out of here, as I'm doing this. Yeah, she's untied Garrick, and she's like helping Garrick to his feet, uh, but they don't have actions. The next person to act is the werewolf, who is calculating what he's going to do in this instance. And I think what he's going to do is make a flurry of furious attacks against Duncan. He's going to make three attacks. Fuck me. The first one is a miss. The second one is an 18. Also, I assume a miss. Then he brings you down with his last attack. Oh boy. Critical attack on Duncan. And I need you to take for me. Oh, this is going to hurt, dude. This is going to hurt Duncan. Uh, it's going to hurt Duncan in, in, the, in the face and the mouth. Uh, I need Duncan to take. Oh boy. 24. And then again. Uh, that is... You do take 40 damage all up, a combination of slashing and necrotic, Mm -hmm. as the werewolf strikes you with his furious crit. Yep. And and that's his turn. Alright. I'm on 15 hit points. Whoa! Um. (laughs) (laughs) He's on... He's on a similar amount of hit points. I am going to step up five feet and shove him again. Okay, he's not far from the ledge at this point. Give me that shove. Uh, 22. Shit, so he's got to try and beat 22? He rolled a natural 20 again, so he resists your first shove. Okay, now, sorry, I should just clarify something. Wait, he was attacking me, right? So does that mean he'd stepped forward up to me? Uh, yeah, he, he will have stepped forward up to you. Okay, that means then that actually... He's like six feet away from the edge. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're gonna need two shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I shot him again. <laughs> Damn it! I gotta, I, <laughs> I gotta pull this off. Twenty-seven. Yeah, he rolled a 22, but that's not better than 27. So he shoved his back to within one foot from the edge. I step up. Uh huh. I step up. I, <laughs> I shove him again. Fuck! I love this. Like. T- Dukan, without a weapon, just decides that he's just going to kick and push this man off the edge. I mean, I've still got the pike in my hands. But, um, yeah, it's just garbage against Oh my him. god, I'm sweating so much. This room is so hot and I'm so tense. I shove him again. Oh, fuck. I only rolled a six. Uh, plus ten. <laughs> Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. He's got plus four to athletics, which means you've got a better than even chance of him missing this roll. Oh my god. He rolled a four, which goes up to an eight, and the werewolf stumbles back over the ledge. And I'm gonna rule, because he's falling to his death, he does get a dex save, which is a 12, which is not good enough. He stumbles backwards, and he curses you with his final breath as his body crumples to the ground at the bottom of the quarry. You're standing there, Uh, Andrea has finished attending to Garrick, untying him, tending to the wounds that he has, getting him up on his feet, and arming him with a spare sword that she had in her hand. The two of them are standing there behind you now. What do you do? 
You got a great sword on you? <laughs> no, but uh, I think I can think of a weapon that you could probably pick up. And he indicates down in the direction of the werewolf, uh, <laughs> who you know was using that blade that had necrotic damage on it in addition to the weapon damage. Mm. Look, Duncan, I thank you for what you've done, and it's so good to see you again. But we know what the stakes are here. Andrea and I are going to head over and join the main battle in town. We're going to try and just keep as many people from dying on both sides as possible. We need to start shutting this shit down. Yeah, go sort it out out there. He extends an arm to you. Uh, Duncan reaches out, clasps him, and then uh, pulls him in for one of them big man hugs. Take a con save to avoid dying from the crushing damage. No. Um, okay. <laughs> Duncan and Garrick hug a final time, and then they all scour or sc- scramble down the side of the quarry together to the base. And Andrea and Garrick run off in the direction of the town proper to help with the assault wherever they can. And Duncan, can I assume, gathers the piece, the werewolf's weapon. Oh, yeah, shit, I just threw the piece off the cliff. Um- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, up the top of the cliff, I'm going to use second wind, uh, second wind, which is uh, 1d10 plus level uh, healing. So, that's 9 plus my fighter level is 12. So, that's 21. So, back to 36 health now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Start guzzling potions yeah, on your way down. How, how far is this cliff? Do I need to drink a sanctuary cider before I even risk climbing on the off chance something happens? No, you're not going to need to take a check for climbing. It's uh, it's not difficult enough. Okay. Well, in that case, I'll climb down. I'll get the dude's sword. Is it one-handed or two-handed? I'll say it's it, it's versatile. Yes. Because mm. he's not he's not carrying a shield, so his sword is going to be versatile. Yeah. Uh, so I get that sword. I get the piece, and I'm going to hurry into the mine as I start pounding a sanctuary cider. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Hasselback and two of his monks have been backed into a corner. They're standing now down an alleyway between two buildings, with one end barricaded shut and the other end open to the battle in the town proper. Standing in the open mouth of the alley are at least 15 armed and armoured Carthan soldiers slowly advancing. Hasselback quickly weighs up the odds. They don't look good. They could manage a two, maybe three to one outnumber, but... This, he thinks, looks like the end. He turns to his companions, ready to make a last stand and accept their fate. And then, something happens. Garrick and Andrea emerge from either side of the alleyway and begin an attack on the group of soldiers from behind, making short work of a handful. Hasselback, with his polished, cat-like reflexes, takes the opportunity to launch a frontal assault. Together, with the element of surprise, in a flurry of flashing blades and whirling fists, they dispatch the group of soldiers completely and reunite. Garrick! We looked for you with the prisoners. I... I didn't think I'd see you again. Garrick casts a glance at Andrea. Me either, mate. It's good to see you too. Say, did you figure out who's in charge around here for the League? We need to start shutting this shit down. Minutes later... Elena receives a message. Elena, it's Jathra. Remember those experienced hands we needed? It looks like things might be turning in our favour after all.
So, uh, the three of you have each completed your separate trials, and I believe Jody and Druzzy have reunited, and they're like at the foot of a staircase that leads up to to the altar uh, <laughs> inside the crucible. And Duncan's, you know, motoring, I, I, I believe you said, more than a mosey on your way down. Um, there is just one thing that we have to address about Duncan's route into the mine here, which is that as Duncan runs through the entryway of the mine, uh, he's going to come across the unconscious body of a bound and gagged Esme on the side of the mine tunnel. Are you baiting him? <laughs> He's going to run right past her. Duncan cuts her head off. Does he actually? Yep. That's Duncan's reaction to finding an unconscious combatant bound and gagged. Is it beheaded? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. I mean, there's literally Man, no I, one to I tell, stop you. I, I tell you what, the epilogue of like Jodie and Esme <laughs> falling in love and that sort of thing. Ben is tearing out pages from the show book. Yeah. It's all up. Give me a minute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, do, do you, I mean, like, for sure, man, no no one can stop you from doing that. Do you think there is a part of Duncan that would pause to consider the fact that Jodie left her here this way? I'm just thinking about the chainsaw. I don't yeah. know, like... I mean... I think... Oh, I guess I did just have to climb down the cliff and retrieve the piece from his neck. So there's been, like, some breathing room there. And I sculled a Sanctuary Cider and did literally use all of my hit dice, regaining almost all of my health. Oh, uh, maybe... I don't know. Maybe I have chilled out enough. I don't know, eh? I, like... Like, maybe it's a roll. Oh, yeah. Do a wisdom save. Yeah, I could, I could see that. But, but which one is the more wise choice? Is, is the wisdom save Ooh. to prevent him from doing it or to make him do it? I'm going to take a wisdom save to resist the, the fear in a way because there is the a lot of uncertainty leading, leaving her here. So you're um, doing a courage check. <laughs> it's, it's like a wisdom save to see if Duncan can be a good person to somebody who is so dangerous and has done so much wrong. I'm, I'm genuinely torn. Um, okay, I think I I think this is basically is that like, what that song how- was about? <laughs> Torn, Torn well, by Natalie little, and Brulia. Natalie and humor. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of songs called Torn. I could have a whole playlist yeah. of Duncan trying to make up his mind. Yeah, but fuck, um, which, which one was that? What was that joke about? Which song? Oh, I can't make up my mind. Fuck. I'm gonna drop all <laughs> of those songs in under this moment right now. <laughs> <laughs> A medley. And it's just going to yeah, be like all, all playing at the exact same time, just completely indecisive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want yeah, me to record um, <laughs> the audio, like the, the vocal tracks for them as a cover, a medley cover, but in Dun Khan's voice? Uh, yes, but we'll do that after. That'll be some pickup. You, yeah. you and I will we'll get in the studio together and we'll record Duncan's debut EP where he does like a bunch of like covers of songs and stuff. It's like what Duncan does after the war, like he tries to make it in the music industry. Um, okay. Okay, so like Duncan, Duncan, right. Duncan raises his... Oh shit, I don't have a great sword. What sword do I have at the moment? You've got the werewolf sword, which is like a bastard sword. Oh, that's oh, right. Fuck yeah. What's a bastard sword? I love bastard swords. 
Uh, it's like a hand a... and a half sword, so it's versatile. You can either wield it one-handed like a long sword or two-handed. Oh, but cool. I suppose we're looking at like a, a D10 for two-handed rather than 2D6. D10 for two-handed. But what, well, it has some bonus damage on it um, because you oh. were taking that bonus damage. Uh, so let me, let me pull it up. So yeah, go ahead and take your wisdom save, dude, if you, if you really don't know what you're doing. Um, yeah. yeah, so Duncan raises his sword up without thinking to cut off Esme's head and there's this moment where he's holding the blade over her neck, like raised above his head to swing down. Um, and there's just like that, that, that moment of uh, sort of... There's enough peace in his mind that for a second he, he stops and I'm going to see what this role says about the outcome. I don't know how hard to make this. What's your wisdom save? Plus seven. I'll just make it 20. 20? 20. That's a very high check. (laughs) I guess this is like a campaign worth of like breaking habits for Duncan versus his like instincts, right? Hmm. Okay. Oh my goodness. I rolled a 13. Plus the seven (gasps) is 20. (laughs) Oh shit! Uh, like I can't, I can't lift my laptop enough to literally show you this dice, but it's right there. Like, oh my goodness! Wow. He's like about to bring the, wow. bring the sword down, and he stops. Whoa! And he just lowers Whoa. the sword and just breathes. Oh, oh shit! A beautiful moment of development for um, Duncan. I love that. Do I have any chains or anything on me? I have a Dungeoneers pack anyway, which will have rope in it. I'm uh, just gonna double tie to your own even ropes. more, like. Like, just... I love that. Like, arms bound tight, legs bound tight. Right. But I love that Duncan trusts Jodie's wisdom in saving her life, but doesn't trust his, like, scout's honour, basically. (laughs) And, like, has to go over and be like, ah, these knots are no good. (laughs) No, it's it's not even, even, like, a, a question of the knots. He, like, it's like a compulsion. Like, it's so hard for him to walk away and leave her alive. And do nothing. That he... It's like... It's like he has to... Put something to, heavy on her. I could use the cloth from that time... The time we're on the spaceship, I put the cloche over her head. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, oh, no, so man, I just... If somebody skipped those live shows, they're going to be like, what the fuck are you <laughs> Yeah, so he yeah, just ties her up really fucking hard, and then um, I think he hurries back on down the tunnel and probably kind of starts running... Before long, just to, he, like he kind of has to try and keep his momentum before he can second guess that decision. Yeah, nice. Okay, I love that. Uh, if you don't currently have inspiration, take it. Um, oh, thank you. That's fantastic. So Duncan quickly uh, motors down. Now there is only one path, Druzzy having collapsed all three by solving the tunnel. Duncan eventually finds himself uh, catching up with, with Jody and Valeria and Elva and Drazilia. What? You, you, you survived. Is Gallic okay? Garrick's okay. I've got the piece. And the the werewolf? He's dead. We have to keep moving. Yeah, why are we waiting? What did we stop for? Elva's going to explain the plan for uh, what to do with the pieces that you've got uh, and all that shit. Uh, but I think Jody just like looks at Duncan and then just sort of like smiles and is like, Wolfsbane. Hmm. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. You're not wrong. Jo- Jody puts a hand on Duncan's shoulder. 
I love it. Um, Elva says, Okay, fantastic. We've recovered the pieces from Esme and the werewolf. I believe that brings our total to 11. The last one will be with Maleficus in the crucible up this staircase. Now, the plan should be to get him away from the ritual that he's performing, at which point we can commence the ritual of recombining the pieces into their focus gem. It's only by bringing them together that we will be able to destroy them once and for all. So, Valeria and I will channel the pieces together into the gem, whilst the three of you distract Maleficus. I'll help Valeria and you. I'll be able to move between those two tasks. Do we need to kill Maleficus before the gem is reformed, lest it should fall into his hands? Can we? We can try. I think our best bet will be to to do those two things simultaneously. We're going to need to destroy that gem as quickly as possible, because Maleficus has probably already commenced his ritual to open the portal to the plane of magic. I guess we'll have to see when we get in there, but if that portal is already opening, we need the arcane explosion that will result from the destruction of these gems as quickly as possible. All right. Should we all chuff a quick Sanctuary Sambuca? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) You've got the Sanctuary Sambuca, Gracie. All right, I chuff it. Yeah, that's going to regain you some spell slots. Nice. Which spell slots have you currently expended? I've expended level eight, but I have one of those in my staff. I've expended level six and level four and level three. And the haste. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will say chuffing down that Sanctuary Sambuca can regain you a level six spell slot. All right. Disintegrates back up. (laughs) (laughs) Disintegrates back in play. That's great. So you, you, you chortle down that concentrated, um, sticky, sweet ichor from uh, inside the Temple of Life, and you feel a bit of magical energy return to you. And anybody else do anything to prepare? Because Valeria says, okay, I guess we should lock and load. <laughs> um, I, may as well, I may as well snork one of those boys as well, real quick. The okay. uh, Sanctuary Ciders, actually. Just take 12 seconds and sit around here and just fucking chortle one down. Yeah, so um, puts it down in, in 12. I love it. Did we only have one Sambuca? I think you only had the one Sambuca yeah. and you guys, like Gracie took it in exchange yeah, yeah. for you guys getting the ciders. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I am I had a cider on my way in, so I'm I'm flush. Hey, I had a cider when we started recording. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Okay, so Jody takes a short rest, Sanctuary Cider, and do you guys proceed up the staircase? Yep. All right. You three, and in fact five, proceed rapidly and solemnly up this staircase. It's old, but uh, shows few signs of decay. And before you know it, you emerge into a relatively open space. It's a chamber hollowed out in the stone, and you see a succession of things. In the centre of this hollowed-out chamber is what can only be described as an altar. And standing behind that altar, facing away from you as you enter, is a figure. A figure in black robes. And that figure has its arms extended at the far wall of the cavern, 
and it appears to be channeling some kind of bolt of magical energy from the surface of the altar to the far wall of this chamber. And if you follow the arc of that bolt of energy with your eyes, you see something that you almost can't focus your eyes on. It can best be described as a fissure in reality. Just looking at it makes your eyes unfocus and you feel a momentary headache. And Elva quickly says under her breath, He's further along than I thought. Let's act quickly. And at that exact moment, Maleficus whips around and you see him front on for the first time. And he says, I've been waiting. And he throws a bolt of energy in the direction of Elva. She ducks it and throws a bolt of her own, which slams into his side and throws him across the room, away from the altar, leaving an uninterrupted sightline between you and this fissure in reality. The altar is now clear. You can see a glowing, throbbing piece sitting on that altar, channeling energy into this portal. Elva says, I'll have to contain the portal. Valeria, the ritual. Everyone else, contain Maleficus. And can I get the three of you to roll initiative one last time? Woo! The piece just had to be throbbing. Oh, that was just for you guys. Because <laughs> I know how much you love it when I say throbbing on this it's show. It's an 18 for Jody. Woo! 16 for the dunk. I got a net 20! Woo! Okay. Let me describe the scene for you. Maleficus is some 30 feet to the left of this altar in the centre of the chamber. On the far side is this fissure in reality that Elva is quickly steaming over towards, flying at full speed, where she's going to attempt to contain its spread. Valeria, 11 pieces in hand, charges at the altar, also now carrying Luthor's basin, ready to start the ritual to recombine the pieces. And the three of you have been tasked with holding off Maleficus. The first person to act is Jody Mastana. So have we lost, we've lost plus one to all of our weapons then? Oh yeah, that's right. You've lost Wait, all of your pluses to your weapons. Has Grace lost her eighth level spell slot? Oh my god. Uh, oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I guess you could like cast a spell on the first action of your turn and then throw the gem at Valeria uh, so she could use it for the ritual she's doing if that's something you want to do. She's gonna what, be is, what is a these... gem but like a mineral-based dagger when you think about it? <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be feeding these pieces into Luthor's basin one by one, like recombining uh, the focus gem. So I would say, like, Druzzy's acting early enough in the order that you can try and pop one of these off. Like, we'll have to retcon, essentially, that, like, a few minutes ago, Valeria was like, all right, everybody hand over your pieces, so as soon as we get in there, I can start the thing, and Druzzy's like, let me just let me just do one thing. <laughs> let me just crank one out, and then it's all yours. <laughs> um, but I'm on board with that. I am going to make you take a dexterity check. To throw the piece to Valeria. Yeah, maybe, I'll allow you to try it if you want. Maybe its similarity to a dagger should not be a point in its favour <laughs> for me choosing to do that action. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the moment, Grace. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. This we, would be the to. most satisfying conclusion <laughs> yeah. to that. I, I, cast, I cast Cloud of Daggers at level 8. <laughs> <laughs> Eight clouds of daggers appear around Maleficus. He's vanquished instantly. You found his one weakness, daggers. <laughs> A2 Brute. 
All right. A two A two Druzzy is a good is a good fucking title pitch. Provided she betrays us at the yeah. end. <laughs> oh, wow. That can be arranged. Hey, there is scope for that in the like nine possible futures I have uh, imagined here. That's the so darkest timeline. This, this is the part about this whole situation that has literal butterflies in my stomach. Is I don't know how this is going to end. <laughs> I've planned several possibilities, but if there's one thing I know about you fuckos, it's that probably those will not be the case. So let's see what happens. Jody, you're up first. Well, I think if, if if we're aware of that, I think Jody probably holds off um, and like delays his turn until after Druzzy. Because if she's going to like try and get a spell off, it probably makes sense to let her do that before running into the path of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one that I have stored is that one that I just fried Duncan with. <laughs> Sunbeam. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I, I know I could technically take no damage for it, but I'd rather like not... If I don't have yeah, to, have you know to what I mean? Deal with that. Yeah, okay, yeah. nice. So, uh, is Jazzy going to sunbeam the room? Is it my turn? Well, Duncan, sorry, Jody's delaying his turn till after you cast a spell. What spell do you want to cast? Yeah, I'm going to cast Fireball as a level 8 spell. <laughs> Fuck me. Okay, so what level is Fireball usually? Level 3? Yeah. So I believe that means you add 5d6. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, 1d6 so for each slot above yep. third. Fuck yeah. Druzzy points her <laughs> staff at Maleficus and lets fly the biggest, juiciest fireball of her fucking life. Um, go ahead and roll that 13d6 damage. Maleficus is going to take a saving throw. Uh, does right. Druzzy say anything I, here? I'm doing electronic, so this is going to be instant. Oh, fuck. I think she says, burn, baby, burn. <laughs> uh, it's a bit Just <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, I only rolled uh, 33, so... On 13d6? Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I will say that Maleficus has advantage on this saving throw. Uh, did fail, still with the advantage. Uh, so he is going to take that full damage. Remember to add your... your no, because you don't have fire. Never mind. 13d6 uh, damage. Yep, that is... 33 that he takes okay so he just eats it and he you see him standing there in his black robes wreathed in flame when the fire disintegrates his like robes are like lightly smoldering at the edges and he's wincing but still standing there hooded staring you down uh now you've got an opportunity to throw that piece to um Valeria. Oh, yeah. yeah, so she's 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 running across to the altar. Go ahead and make that dexterity check for me. I'll say you're proficient in throw are you proficient with daggers? You are, so yeah, this will qualify. No, I'm I'm specifically not. That's why it was so funny that I kept on using them. <laughs> okay. Okay, good. So it's just gonna be plus your dex then. Yeah, yeah. So it's nineteen still, because I got a seventeen. Whoa! Yeah. Huge! This is Trasilia's first successful day for the fucking campaign! Did <laughs> you did she, it! Valeria's running yeah. to the altar, she turns around, grabs that gem straight out of the air, and keeps running full stride. The God, next person so to act is Jody Mistana. It's like Pirates of the Caribbean, and I've like thrown the last piece of gold, Aztec gold, at Johnny Depp. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, so how far away is Maleficus? 
He's some 30 feet away from you. Okay, so I can definitely get there. And what's the deal with the fissure? Like, it, like when we when we walked in, was he, like, touching the fissure or, like, thereabouts? Or He was channeling energy out of the piece on the altar into the fissure. But Elva is motoring over to try and, like, contain it to stop it from spreading. Right. Yeah, fuck it. I'll, I'll, I'll charge him. Okay. You charge him? And do you make, yep. like, a melee attack against him? Yeah. It's going to be a big old punch. Yeah, that's right, because Jody still has his staff. No, he dropped his staff, didn't he? He's not even yeah. using it. Don't yeah, so it, remember, baby. remember your, your bonuses are just proficiency and dex now. Yeah, that's fine. It's still plus 11 for me, so that's that's okay. Um, So that means yeah, I... That's rather I, high. Yeah, I rolled a 29 for that one to hit, so that'll be okay. Okay. Um, yep, 29 is going to be hard to avoid hitting. Yep. Uh, so it'll be 14 damage on the first strike. And uh-huh. then, uh, could he take a uh, con save for me? Uh, okay. Oh boy. Um, twenty-eight. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that that's fine. Um, and then the next one to hit will be a twenty-three. Um, okay. You you straight up. Uh, you come you come in with your twenty-three, and he throws up a magical barricade that, in addition to blocking your fist in midair. I am going to need you to take a dexterity saving throw for me. Um, so I only rolled a 10, but my dex save is mm-hmm. plus 11. So that's a 21. Yeah, okay. So you are knocked back 10 feet, but you keep your feet. You don't You don't fall prone as you are repelled great. off this barrier <laughs> that he throws up. Uh, and yeah, what yeah are you, is that you got more? Or? Uh, and then I'll just take the, I'll take the dodge. Um, action as a um, smart uh, as a, <laughs> as a smart <laughs> tactical maneuver. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So the first thing that he does is use a legendary action, which is not part of his turn, to oh, cast no. a to cast a ray of frost at Jody Mistana. Does the dodge just make you harder to hit, or what? Uh, disadvantage. Okay. Nice. With disadvantage, it is eighteen against AC. Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. Nice. What's your AC these days? Twenty. What? Yeah, huge. Where does that one come from? Is it just because you jump out of the way? Um, well, it's because my I, I get my AC bonuses off Dex and Wisdom, and they're all maxed out. So yeah, yeah. yeah right. So twenty <laughs> AC, huge. Okay. Yeah. He blasts a ray of frost at Jody Mastana, who just fucking hops out of the way nimbly, wise enough to know it was coming, and uh, just enough to, to hop out of the way of the ray. And, Basically the uh, Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, just sizing up what the yeah, opponent exactly. is about to do. Exactly. Yeah. Without yeah. the intelligence. We've, we've referenced though. that scene We've referenced that scene enough times on this program, but it wouldn't be the finale if we didn't bring it back for one more. we really? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Discombobulate. Um, Yeah, okay. (laughs) So, the next thing that happens is Drazilia hears a voice in her head that says, You are not worthy of your ancestors. And I need you to make a constitution saving throw for me, Drazilia. Ooh. Um, Actually, it's 18 with proficiency. Doesn't quite cut mustard no! against an 18th level spellcaster, big bad boss. So I am going to need you to take 58 necrotic damage. Um, as, uh, as a wave of negative energy. I'm so energy. glad we're doing this on video chat. Oh my god! Don't fridge Druzzy! As a wave of negative energy courses through your body. Oh. 
Jackson, um, we're going to be so motivated when Druzzy dies. Holy shit. <laughs> so, the next person to act... Let me just check if that is everything that he can do on his turn. Uh, ba ba Oh, okay. No, one more thing happens, and you guys don't know what it is. And, oof, that is convenient. Um, okay, great. You don't see what happens, but a thing happens. And the next thing that happens is Duncan acts. Yeah. Um, Duncan probably tries to put himself in the line that's between Maleficus and Druzzy. Um, um, that makes sense. So this, this magical barrier that knocked Jody back is still active because it's the same round, but you can still try and hack through it. Oh, interesting. Uh, I suppose, would I have lost Hunter's Mark? How long's it been? Maybe I probably haven't. Less actually. than an hour. Yeah, yeah, almost certainly not. I'll bonus action my Hunter's Mark onto him. Hmm, what to do about this barrier? I guess I'm going to try just hitting the barrier. Yeah, it seems like a sensible action to take in the first instance, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm going to take a big old swing at the barrier. Let's see what happens. I'm going to power attack it because I'm assuming it's going to be pretty fucking easy to hit. Oh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you for context, T. It's just like a shield spell, like a modified shield spell. So it's just his, it's just his armor class went up. Uh, it's like a shield with like a knockback effect. So you'd be oh, hitting him. I see. Um, just with a boosted AC. It's just because it's still in yeah, the same okay. round as when he used it. I I totally won't do a power attack then because that would be ludicrous against a raised AC. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so no power attack. Uh, I probably could have gotten away with it because I rolled a 19. But anyway, um, does the werewolf's bastard sword have any plus bonus to it? Or is it only the damage? It's got plus one. It's a special werewolf sword. Oh, plus one. All right. So... Werewolf rolling around with some fucking entry-level magic gear. So, 19 plus 12, I'm looking at... What is that? 31 31 to hit? penetrates through this magical barrier, (laughs) and you feel the werewolf's blade uh, sink through Maleficus's robe and into his arm. What kind of damage are we talking about? It's 1d10 plus 2d6. But he gets to take a con save against the 2d6. Okay. It's it's 16 against your spell save DC. Should be oh, 8 plus proficiency plus your wisdom modifier. So 8 plus wisdom is 1, 9 plus proficiency is 6, so 15. Yeah, he rolled a 16. So he saved against 2d6, so he's only going to take half of it. Go ahead and roll your D8, uh, D10 plus 2d6, but then just half it. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, so I rolled a 6 on all of those bad boys, which means... The Huge. 2d6 becomes just 6. The 6 on the sword gets the bonus, of course, from my strength, which makes it 10, plus the fact that he's a humanoid, I assume. He is a humanoid. Cool, cool. Um, so that's 12, and then plus my hunter's mark. I can reroll that one. Still a 1, so 13. Am I forgetting something? I don't think so, because I need some other actions for other stuff. So 13. No. I rolled the Hunter's Mark. It was only one. Okay, so 6 plus 13. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, okay. Okay, very cool. Uh, yeah, you, you, you hear him kind of wince out in anger and pain as your blade finds purchase in what you assume is flesh underneath the robes. Uh, and then he uses another one of his legendary actions. In the middle of my turn or after my turn? Through- Oh, you're still going? Okay, yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, of course. Do. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, is the barrier still there? Uh, until the end of this round, I guess. That's how shield yeah, okay, yeah. works, right? Cool, cool, cool. So, I'm just going to take another swing. Uh, 16 plus um, 12 to hit. So, that's probably pretty comfy. That does it. The 
extra sword, the funky sword damage. Ooh, is it like necrotic or something? failed. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's yeah. seven from that funky damage. And then 10 plus 4 plus 2, 16. So it's seven funky and 16 from the weapon. Okay, nice. Very cool. Uh, still got more attacks. One more, I think. Yep, one more coming in hot. Oh, that's 6 plus 12, 18 to hit. Um, I... Uh, no, I'm not going to precision it. I'll let that be what it is. Okay. You feel that one bounce off the barrier. You're thrown back 10 feet. And can you take a dexterity saving throw for me? Oh, fuck me. I was not expecting that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Eight. And there is nothing about dexterity that I'm particularly good at. We can turn that into a 10 for the dex save. Duncan falls prone as he's blown back from this barrier, now now lying in the dust at the feet of Jody Mastana. Lucky I have these dump truck dumps to... uh, land safely onto cushioned blood absorb the shock yeah yeah nice so you lie next to jody conveniently that saves you from the thing he was going to do if you were within melee attack range of him with his legendary action uh and instead he's just going to blast you with a ray of frost uh but now at um, 18th level i still have the hilt of my greatsword right (laughs) Yeah, I would say you do. Does it need the piece to activate its shield? I think it does. I'm trying to decide like a fun way to give you. You know what I, I might. You know what I might do. Like if you, if you're in desperate need of it, you can try it, and I'll give you a D100 roll. And if you roll well enough, like it can activate. <laughs> but it's gonna be like a glitchy lightsaber. Which, like, a glitchy lightsaber. Just me channeling my new ranger like web powers, <laughs> trying to like yeah, put just energy. enough piece energy into yeah. it. Um, Try and activate it. Only because I'm here <laughs> at the precipice of the edge of reality. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. yeah, I'll keep that one tucked in my belt. Yeah, okay. Well, in that case, it's a 24 to hit you. So I'm going to need you yeah. to take for me uh, 28 cold damage. And then you also, uh, you have your speed reduced by 10 feet. So oh, dear you're only 10 feet away from him, so... You- <laughs> Ooh, you should can... still be able to get back up. Well, funny thing, if you reduce my speed by 10 feet, I'm going down to 15. I stand up, it goes to yes! seven and a half. Yes! <laughs> That's incredible. So, uh, the next person to act is Jody Mistana. You are on your feet, 10 feet away from Maleficus. You see this magical barrier disintegrate because it's one round. Uh, Hell yeah, baby. And he's now standing in front of you. I charge him again. I'm going. I'm going for a kick this time. Nice. Oh, a kick this time. A yeah. kick to the oh. nuts, dude. Mixing it up. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I think I think he's going like high torso. Um, yeah, uh, nice. it's 28, 28 to hit. Twenty eight to hit. We'll do it. Yep. Uh, and he's not going to bother throwing his shield up for that kind of attack roll. <laughs> yeah, sick. So that'll be t- that'll be twelve damage as a magically empowered foot strikes into the yes. chest. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Of, yeah, he uh, gets kicked in the fucking chest. Nice. Yeah, yeah. A uh, little, little bit of shine on that one, uh, and then he's got a flurry of blows. Um, so that'll be a twenty-seven, and then a oh, that one's not, not going to hit. Um, so a twenty-seven to hit. Yeah, he doesn't bother throwing up his shield again for that 27. That'll be... Bust an, on through with Mamos. An, an, another 12 damage, and now he can't take reactions. So enjoy throwing up that shield, fuckface. Uh, Does he not get a save for that at all? Nope, no save. <laughs> he just can't do it. Just can't do it. Uh, and the next one will be a 29 to hit. Is that until his next turn or forever? Uh, until my next turn, I guess, yeah. Or his. Oh, yeah, okay. until my next turn, sorry, yeah. Uh, and then that'll be 13 damage. 
Uh, and then Jody's going to hop out of melee range. Yeah, nice. What, take disengage, or is he provoking an attack of opportunity? I mean, he doesn't have any reactions, so uh, he's just going to walk back like a real chill dude. Very cool. Uh, okay, sweet. So the thing that I was going to say before Jody's turn, but missed, is that Elva and Drasilia take their turns. Valeria take their turns, of course. Um, Valeria is standing at the altar, having placed down Luthor's basin, and is slowly feeding these pieces into the basin one by one whilst muttering uh, a spell that Elva has taught her in the meantime. Whilst Elva is standing, like arms spread wide in front of this fissure in reality, muttering under her breath, and you can see her physically straining, wincing in physical pain as she's expending all of her energy to try and contain the spread of this fissure in reality. Uh, you actually see mm. her take some damage as that happens. Uh, and then Jody has his turn, which we've just described, and Maleficus it again? decides it's time for him to use another one of his legendary actions. <laughs> Great. Uh... <laughs> Maleficus having just not enjoyed those punches to the chest and kicks to the chest, fixes Jody in his steely gaze. And I'm going to need Jody to take a wisdom saving throw for me. Um, well, I haven't added my score, but I just rolled a 19. But let me just uh, find out what my, what, my, what my wisdom is, and I'll give you the, the final number. Yeah, is it more than one? Uh, it's 11. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a 30 wisdom for your monk boy. Amazing. Um... Jody sees these two burning points of light inside the hooded robe of Maleficus's uh, attire, and he feels this wave of energy attempting to overtake him, but he battles it aside with his uh, wise mental faculties, and that's the legendary action. It's Druzzy's turn. She's been blasted by a fucking huge wave of negative energy. What's she doing? Um, well, she takes that... Sambuca rejuvenated disintegrates slot and she spends it and she points a little pointy finger and Mr. Badman. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah, and Mr. Badman, bring me a bad. Yeah. Leave Jody um, alone. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's a it's a dexterity check. A dexterity save that he's gonna take? Ah, uh, from a disintegrate, that's right. Okay. Yeah, look, he did a bad job. Um, but I am going to say he's going to use one of his legendary resistances and opt to succeed on this saving throw instead of failing. So what happens uh, if he passes his saving throw against Disintegrate? Nothing. Nothing. That's why I was trying to check. <laughs> oh, very cool. So uh, his, his turn is, uh, your turn is now over, I, I suppose. <laughs> and the next thing that happens is Maleficus takes a step back, sees that the three of you are all, you know. So, so did Jody just move out of melee range or did he move back over to where Duncan was 10 feet away? J Jody has like 50 feet of movement. So I think he probably would have safely backed up to where Duncan was. Okay, nice. He drops a fireball in such a place that it encompasses all of you, and I'm going to need you all to take a dexterity saving throw from oh, me. No. As uh, Maleficus pops off a, a dueling fireball with Tresilia. <laughs> Uh, I will say, you note that his fireball, whilst whilst bigger than many fireballs you've seen, is smaller than your 8th level fireball. He didn't drop an 8th level spell slot nuke on this one, but it is a big fireball. So, can I get those deck saves for you, from you? Um, is it possible Send. to shield against a fireball? I don't believe nah, it is, my friend. It doesn't use your ACE. Um, that is an 11 oh, yeah. plus yeah, an 11, an so 22 for your boy. So Jody saves, which I believe means he's going to take no damage. That is correct. And um, what? Uh, How are we doing, guys? 
14. I will remember you. <laughs> I rolled a 14. I can add two to it. Um, so a 16? For so I can make it a 16. We, we don't know yet what passes, do we? We don't have the data on that. The knowledge metagame, as they say. No, we don't. I think people have seen 16s not pass. Yeah. Like, what's Grace's DC? Because you can bet it's probably as good, if not better. Yours is like probably, yeah. what, like 18, 19, Grace? Yeah, it's 19. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can use Indomitable to re-roll a failed save. Uh, uh-huh. But I don't think I'm going to pass this save regardless. Like, because if I, if I use Indomitable, I would then have to roll probably at least an 18 to pass still. And so I don't think... Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think well, this don't is worry. the one where Indomitable is going to save me. I think I just have to accept my my deck save is 16 for this. Yeah, so don't worry, because it's only 45 fire damage. So <laughs> oh my I guess God. you can just chop that 45 fire damage. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully having taken that beating, you can keep on eating. Woo. Yeah, I got a bit of room. I, I'm going to have a little bit more of this buffet. Uh, Miss Mords is closed, but I'm eating this up. <laughs> No, one more hit's going to do I don't Jazzy. know if Jazzy can necessarily take much more of this beating. I'm on 39. Okay, not bad. Isn't it? <laughs> so uh, he snarls as you all experience that pain, and that's the end of his turn. Now it's DK's turn. Fuck me. He's what, like 15 feet away from me? 10. 10 feet away from you. 10 feet away from me. Oh, but that spell put me down to 15 feet. I have to oh, stand yeah. up. I'm seven and a half. Um... Oh, it's so hard to know what has to happen here. Okay, um, I stand up. You know what? Weird as it is, like, maybe I don't stand up. Maybe I just crawl towards him. <laughs> At half speed. Because then, like, he can't knock me down again before my next turn. And I can just, like, go get at his feet <laughs> and wait uh, to stand up. Oh! Uh, I love this fucking Zunkan aesthetic of him just like commando crawling along. <laughs> if I'm already down, you can't knock me down. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, I've cool. got options here. I could dimension door up with my cloak, but then I can't attack because I've used the action. I could cast jump on myself action and then surge. have the jump. Yeah, see, this is the thing. I can, I can hit him this turn, but then I'm burning an action surge just to stand next to him. Dude, I, you, what you I need know. to I am the Senate him and, <laughs> and jump across the room twirling the <laughs> What? <laughs> Hang on. A standing jump is half a normal jump. So if you move 10 feet, then you can jump your strength score. If you jump from standing, it's half that. So I can jump nine feet, which means if I stand up... So, okay, okay. <laughs> Okay, the spell put me down to 15 speed. I am going to stand <laughs> this up. This is what people came for in the finale. Like, I'm going <laughs> to... The mathematics gonna, of Duncan closing distance. I'm going to stand up, which halves me to seven and a half feet. I am then going to perform a standing jump, which halves my jump distance to half my strength score of nine feet. But I am going to take an athletics check... To see if I can push that further to the 10 feet I need from the 9 feet to get in range to attack him. 
Okay, so give me that athletics check. Sweet. Uh, oh, I'm so... What if I cook this? Um, I'm actually gonna... That inspiration I got for... Um, yes! <laughs> tying it, up. Dude. I'm gonna use it. Because if I cook this, it's just too fucked. Okay, so uh, with advantage... Okay, it's 17 plus 10 for my athletic score anyway. So it's a 27 on my attempt to standing leap 10 feet forwards as and make my attack yeah, immediately Yeah, absolutely. Duncan stands up, yell, like, d- d- does he do, like, a needless rotation on his way over? That's what I need to know. I think uh, just, his- just for you, because I got the 27, he is going to do that. <laughs> so I leap forward, standing jump, 10 feet. I'm now going to make my attack at him. Go ahead and make those attack rolls for me against okay. Leficus, who still has no First reaction. So he does can't he have a shield you. up? Oh, shit. He does not. He's okay. not allowed to cast one because he has no reactions. So I'm going to start doing power attacks. And I am going to use... My bonus action, first of all, to put my planar warrior force into my next successful impact. Um, and now I'm going to start rolling. Oh, so fuck, let's see how we yes. go. First attack. So it would be 14 to hit. I'm going to make that a precision attack because I'm hoping his AC isn't that high. So my superiority die is a d10. I add a d10 onto that. So uh, 14 goes up to a 21 to hit. Yeah, dude, you get him. You fucking get him with that 21. Okay. So how much damage are we talking about here? And, and, and in what combination of dice? Uh, I'll give you the con so, save to see whether he takes the necrotic. He he did save on the con save. So, so tell me that no 2d6 worries. damage first. So the 2d6 from that con save is a 7, which I guess rounds against me to a 3. Um, then uh, I'm then getting a d6 for Hunter's Mark, a d8 for Planar Warrior, and a d10 from the sword... Plus 10, of course. Plus 10, of course. I get to remold my ones. 11. Um, I get the plus 6 from my stats, which makes it 17. Plus 10 from the power attack. 27 damage on that first hit. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. Um, that's quite a lot of very damage. Uh, I would say you feel your sword, rather the werewolf sword, catch uh, Maleficus across the shoulder, and for the first time, you see him stumble back in genuine pain and let out a snarl. Uh, now I'm going to attack him again. It's still power attack. Another power attack. Uh, By the way, just for the listener, Grace is just flooding the chat with memes. <laughs> oh, I'm not even seeing that. But 16, minus 5 for the perfect. Plus 12, we're looking at 23 to hit. Uh, 23 does hit him with that power attack. Nice, you carve into him again. And he's he's hurting not being able to take these reactions, let me tell you. Jody really fucking put him in a box. Um, <laughs> 6 plus 6 plus 10, 22 damage. Okay, he takes that damage and stumbles back again. He's still sorry, standing, but he's... I need uh, to roll the 2d6 for the necrotic as well. Yep, yep. 9... Rounded how you want. Okay. Uh, yeah, he takes all the damage. Have you got another attack? I sure do. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Uh, ooh, that's uh, nine minus five for power attack. We're looking at 16 to hit. I don't really see that doing it. Fuck it, I'm going to precision again. D10, so it's 19 to hit. The thing is, his AC is, is is not 19. It's actually a little more than that. And so oh. this third power attack, unfortunately, <laughs> even precisely, he just nimbly uh, dodges out of the way of your slashing blade. And then Maleficus 
uses some legendary actions. Wait, does that happen after and my turn? Because does... I'm about to use action surge. Oh, okay, action surge, <laughs> do it. Make your attack rolls. Can Let's make have some fucking dice. And then, yeah. It's another power attack. That one's 13 to hit. I'm not so sure that's going to go through with a precision. I'm not going to burn another precision on that. Second one. So that one misses. Second one. Um, oh, fuck me. 15. Fuck. No, that one's going to miss as well. Is oh, God. Is it happening? Oh. Uh, <laughs> 19. Okay. Precision. I will precision this one. Okay, one more power attack. Yeah, I mean, uh, dude, it, it hits because it's uh, you only need to get one on it. So um, <laughs> you're in. So I, I you, hit. You get him with one more power attack. Necrotic uh, is a nine, right, rounded how you want. Yep. The weapon uh, damage check. is eighteen plus the ten from power attack, twenty-eight damage. Okay, he's starting to look relatively well greased, but he takes his legendary action to do something. Thoroughly unexpected. Because the next thing that happens is all of you feel your minds separating from your bodies and sliding through the chamber. It's a bizarre sensation that you can't quite imagine. And then all of a sudden you feel a body inside you again. But it's not your body. (laughs) Because... Right now, Duncan awakens to find his mind in the body of Jody Mastana. Jody Mastana awakens to find his mind in oh the body God. of Drasilia Halimian, and Drasilia Halimian finds her mind in the body of one Duncan. <laughs> and you've all been <laughs> body swapped, uh, and in the insulting confusion, you lose the ability to react right this second as you come to your senses in this new form. And when Drazilia, in the body of Duncan, uh, regains her faculties, she sees Maleficus sprinting across the chamber over to Elva, who is still struggling under all of her might to hold this barricade closed. You see her wincing again in physical pain as she does this. But he's now moved over towards the fissure. It's like in a line from you... You've got Maleficus, and then Elva, and then the Fisher. So I was going to ask you guys to shoot each other a picture of your character sheets for a minute. <laughs> I will also say you retain, like, all of your mental characteristics. So let, let's keep the initiative order the same. So, like, Jody's just found himself in the body of, of Dracilia, and it's, it's his turn to act. Uh, and he's standing there with uh, access to Dracilia's various spells. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, whereabouts is Dracilia? Like, standing basically at the entrance, like where you guys came in, and Jody still feels magical energy coursing through his body that he's probably never (laughs) experienced before. That's femininity. (laughs) (laughs) Christ. Druzzy uh, uses telekinesis on one of the sanctuary ciders in Jody's pack, wings it over, knocks it back, and then hides behind some shelter, and then, like, he's going to try and heal. What? Yeah. That's some bullshit oh. waste of spells. Fucking nuke him. Oh, <laughs> I over there in, in Duncan's body yelling, nuke him, nuke him, nuke him. <laughs> no, yeah, uh, no yeah. Jody does that and then says, whoever has control of my body, close your fist. Uh, I'm, I'm going to need you to do a, uh, a, a Druzzy voice for me. <laughs> no, I, I, I just did. <laughs> Yeah, is this Polyjuice Potion in the movies or the books? That's what I want to know. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, there, there is no character voice. It's the absence <laughs> of the character voice that is the voice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Jody, Jody next a Sanctuary Cider to, to try and regain some hit points for Drasilia. It is a two-turn thing, so this is also going to be her next turn. But I love this, dude. That's very in character for Jody to take his turn to heal Drasilia's body. That's extraordinary. Next person is Druzzy, who's currently in Duncan's body, where you've got Maleficus moving away from you. Uh, what do you do? Just, like, hobble my thick booty over there. <laughs> <laughs> Hobble your thick cobble. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I mean, what else am I going to do other than just run after him and hit him with a big sword? How does Druzzy feel about being in Duncan's dumpy, thick body? There's a little bit psychological distress. Torment? Discomfort. Um, But I think mostly she's just, you know, just like swinging a big sword isn't really her... It's not dramatic enough for her, you know? Yeah, no. That Where's makes the, sense. Um, performativity. <laughs> <laughs> so what is she? So she's going to go over and swing a big sword, though. That's her plan. I rolled an eight. Um, so the the hit is plus twelve with the with the werewolf oh, nice. sword. So twenty hits then. That means that uh, that Druzzy in Duncan's body catches Maleficus uh, with the fucking with a swing. Give me that two d six. Five. Then Oof. you want to roll. The sword is one d ten. And you then also roll another d6 for Hunter's Mark, plus six just from the stats. 16. Okay, nice. Uh, Yeah, you catch him good as his back is turned, charging over to where Elva is. And uh, he turns around and is shocked to to see you having adapted to this new uh, form of life so expediently. But you've still got two attacks. He's within range of you. What are you doing here? Can I do the thing where I scare him? Uh, yeah, him? you absolutely, you absolutely can. It's uh, the menace attack. Menace you need to hit attack. first, but then you can do extra damage, and um, he has to take a wisdom save or become frightened of you. That's what, okay. That's what I want to do. Seventeen, not going to hit. This is Jazzy working out the kinks of Duncan's body, and also working out Duncan's kinks. I think, like just being <laughs> in his physical form, is uh, is really getting her there. Yeah, she's alarmed um, by how erotic he finds this. <laughs> she feels a no, 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 no. Our personalities, our personalities went with us. You're the one finding it erotic. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's true. <laughs> let's let's get there. Let's get there. So one more attack from Druzzy, I believe. All right, Druzzy Duncan, Druz Khan, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, this one's a hit. Twenty-four. You can now nice. do the menace. I do it, man. That was ter- That was twenty-three. Fuck me. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Druzzy rolls like garbage when she's in Duncan body. This is something yeah. that we've learned. Uh, but probably now it would be he has to take longer. a wisdom saving throw. Druzzy scared oh, him. Oh, or, or he's frightened. Okay. <laughs> so, sorry. So, Druzzy, just give me the... What's, what's the frightening yell? And, and give it to me in a Duncan voice. <laughs> 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 I think with that, that underwhelming display, uh, Druzzy fails to frighten Maleficus, Aww. who just, like... Although I will say she sees in his eyes an expression of fear, not magically from her attack, but from the damage to his corporeal body that has been taken over the last few attacks. Then it is his turn, and Maleficus decides that he needs to do some shit. And the first thing that happens is Maleficus puts out both of his hands, and he basically casts lightning 
in both directions. One lot of lightning chains through... Uh, well, where's Druzzy hiding at the moment, did you say, Jody? I didn't say where. It, it was just like... She was near the entrance, right? So I yes. guess she'd duck on the other side of the entrance and just like sort of like be hiding there. Okay, so everyone but Druzzy, uh, I'm going to need to take a dexterity saving throw for me. This includes Elva and Valeria. Oof. Oof, we both did a bad job. So I need Zunkan and Jody to take a dexterity saving throw for me. You know, so that means that means yeah. tea and grace. Uh, and huh? Zunkan got a twenty-one. What? 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 Zunkan passed. What did you roll, uh, T? Um, I rolled a ten. So plus eleven, twenty-one. Okay, nice. So you both pass, which means Jody takes no damage, but Zunkan takes seventeen lightning damage. That's uh, not too bad. Jody takes no lightning damage, and Drazilia takes no lightning damage as she's chortling down this cider. And Maleficus has also cast this at Valeria and Elva. And you see Elva take the hit and kind of like grimace and stand tall, still trying to hold this portal closed. But you see Valeria finish adding the last piece to this basin atop the altar and then eat a huge blast of lightning in the chest and fly backwards against the wall, she is unconscious. But importantly, she'd already added the last piece to the basin and the ritual to recombine those pieces seems to still be occurring. Now it's Duncan Jody's turn. Duncan forms fists as instructed and then using one of one of Jody's traits um, I'm just reviewing the images I got of his character sheet here. Um, and actually, I'm going to use the sailor feature, and I'm going to arrange free passage on a ship. Juicerone, do you want to tell me what happens when Duncan closes his fist, or jo- Duncan closes Jody's fist? Yeah, so when I laid that first kick uh, into the chest of uh, Maleficus, I, like, burned three key points to set up a quivering palm scenario. Um, So he's going to need to take a con save and either go to zero hit points or take 10d10 damage. Okay. Um, I mean, this is the thing. God, that's good. He's got legendary resistance, so I'm going to try and pass the save on con. Fails. Burns a legendary resistance. So he's just going to take that 10d10. What kind of damage is it? Very good. Um, <laughs> what, uh, what kind is it? Necrotic. It's necrotic. <laughs> okay. Who, who wants to roll this? What do we think? T can roll it. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Oh, what a team effort knockdown this is. <laughs> yes. I love the idea that, like, I've... I've like, Duncan has materialized into Jody's body. Very confusing. He's then heard Drazi say, ever, whoever is in Jody's body, close your fists. He's closed his fists <laughs> and then has felt some sort of totally foreign energy course through his Spanish. body. Well, Spanish energy. Well, no, yeah. but it's, it's related to the same, like, web stuff that you get from your planar thing, right? So it's that same sense yeah. of, like, sort of space constricting so Duncan probably has a sense of what's happening so I'm kind of feeling myself crush his insides yeah entirely and honestly this might be like a big thing for Duncan like he might be very into this (laughs) because he spent so long he spent he spent so long just trying to get inside someone but the ability to just be there and just go like that that's probably quite enticing yeah Yeah, he spent so long attacking from the outside in 
this is really... (laughs) He wasn't in his body to find Drazi's strikes erotic, but he's in this body to find this erotic. (laughs) So everyone's got a boner at the end of this round. Uh, Yeah, okay. Uh, Make that 10 D10 necrotic for me. Okay, this is... This is Duncan's soul rolling with the strength of the uh, hand that Jody put on his shoulder before they headed into this encounter. That comforting hand on the shoulder, allowing Duncan to have the presence of mind to pretend to be a monk for six seconds. Let's see how this goes. Okay, so a three and a seven on the first two. So that's ten. Oh, we're counting these up. Then a nine and a one on the second two. That's 20. Classic. Then a seven and a one on the next two. That's 28. Then a seven and an eight. That's 15. Onto the 28 brings us to 43. Is that right? Yep, 43. So now the final roll. Yep. Uh, Three and six. That's nine. Uh, what was I at? 43 up to 52. Is that right? Yes. As Duncan closes his fist and feels this energy emanating, immediately your minds switch back and you're back in your own bodies because Maleficus clutches at his chest. The spell is disrupted immediately and Jody feels like he feels the last of this energy leave his palm as Maleficus crumbles to the ground A few things happen very rapidly here. You see a shadow of an essence of life exit Maleficus's body and begin being sucked into the fissure. But as that happens, he uses his last legendary action in his now lichid form to cast a spell. And with his last breath... As he is sucked into the fissure, as Valeria's body lies smouldering with a lightning hole in the front of her tunic, as the three of you stand in your own bodies watching this happen, you see Maleficus for the last time before he disappears, mutter something in an ancient tongue, and then curse Elva's name. As he uses power word kill, his ninth level spell on Elva, causing her to die immediately. And Maleficus is sucked back into the fissure as Elva screams out in pain and crumbles to the ground, leaving the three of you alone in this room. Maleficus's body, you see... Well, you can't really look at the fissure to see what happens as it's sucked through, but you see it sucked through. You see Elva crumple. You see Valeria lying there with a smoking hole in her chest. And you see and feel... A throbbing, empowered gem sitting in the basin. Luthor's basin. A focus gem. And now you guys are standing there. And the room goes deadly, deadly quiet. Is the fissure still open? The fissure is still open. And Elva has finished forming the gem. Uh, Valeria finished forming the gem. Right. A second ago, before she got blasted in the chest on Maleficus's turn, she fed the last of oh, the right. pieces into Luthor's basin. Are we in turn order? No. Okay, well, Jody real quick rushes over to Valeria and casts Spare the Dying. So this is the thing. Is that as the focus gem forms up 
and the air goes deadly silent. All of the magic in this region of space has been sucked up by this focus gem, and Jody can't cast a spell. He tries and feels the magic fail, but he could take a medicine check. Yeah, he's he's gonna do that. <laughs> Concerning, but to go for a stabilization. Yeah, but um... magic, at least temporarily, in this space, seems to be gone. Great, well, that's a fourteen plus five, so a nineteen. Does that help stabilize her? Yes, she's okay. stable and no longer dying, but still unconscious. Well, J- Jody Jody brings that up basically. He's like, so um, a lot to process. Um, I I cannot cast anything. Elva is gone. Um, what do we do? Um, can we go check out the gem? You sure can. The three of you still have this fissure that's open. Maleficus has been sucked through it, but Elva wasn't able to finish closing it before she died. So it's still there, sort of slowly growing. You remember Elva saying the plan was to destroy the gem and the ensuing arcane blast would destroy whatever portal Maleficus had opened. And as you walk over to Luthor's Basin, you see, sure enough, this gem. It's bigger than any of the pieces you've seen before, and it's uniform in shape, almost like a uh, traditional diamond. And it's just sort of hovering there in the basin, glowing with magical energy. Um, Are we... Like... So it's going to, like, we've been told it will explode. No, no, that there needed to be some input to blow it up. Elva was going to use a ritual to detonate it, like, after after combining the gems back together. That was what she believed she discovered in her years in isolation, was a way to destroy the gems by bringing them back together and then uh, casting a spell to destroy them. We don't them. know that ritual, though? You sure don't. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> I have wish... But no magic. You have wish, but no magic. Can I get an arcana check from all of you? To see what you can understand about this situation. Yeah, just to see if anyone's able to to puzzle together what's what's happened here. I rolled a fucking natural 20. (laughs) Oh my god! What does he know about the stone?! (laughs) (laughs) It's it's technically a stone! It is technically a stone! Also, I think Duncan still has some, like, remnant magical knowledge from Drasilia inhabiting his body. Uh, Duncan tweaks to the fact that this is a magical focus gem, and when it was reforged, it's, like, focused all of the magical energy in this region of space into itself. The gem is currently embodying magical energy. So, we need to... If you take it, like a piece and use it use the piece to destroy the piece Jody like I think thinks for a second and then is like what if we determine what our best bet is and then I wear the eyeglasses to see what happens oh my god the eyeglasses yeah um yeah Jazzy says Jody I think we can all see that the only way that this is all going to end is if I use the piece to destroy the piece and maybe risk whatever Elva thought would happen to her in doing so. Can we send it through the rift? 
Is that insane? To Maleficus? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like setting up a sequel, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to use the eyeglasses on that one? Like, Jody? do you think that's, that's something you'd use them for? You've got three charges on them. Yeah, so what's the deal? Like, as in, it's a similar thing to what Quivering Palm does, right? Like, not Maybe not the same strength, but, um, like, the idea yeah, is yeah. that, you like, it contracts damage. time, and so you contract space on you. You roll a, a D100, and, yeah, you have the potential to take some damage if it, if it fails. Great stuff. Um, so what, as far as we know, it needs, well, it needs a magic user, yes, but surely if all the magical power in this room is present within that gem, then surely, or potentially, if someone is harnessing that gem, then it wouldn't matter which of us were to use it. But what spell do you have that could destroy it? It's a ritual that none of us know. It sounds like wish to me. Yeah, Jody. Jody takes out the, the eyeglasses and then is like, okay, well, let's see what let's see what happens then. So let's say we're going to do this, that Razi, you're going to take the focus gem and you're going to use it to empower yourself and then cast Wish. And what, well, that's actually really, really important. What would you, what is the Wish? Because, right, because, like, you could wish to try and destroy the gem, right? You could also wish to close the fissure and, yeah. like, you don't necessarily <laughs> know what would happen there if you were to do that. I mean, you could also wish for literally a lot of things you're gonna be like empowered by this thing with like an insane amount of magical energy like you could you could pick it up and cast wish and do and maybe maybe take a second grace because like phrasing is very important um i think it has to be i wish i would wish to destroy the gem where no one can get it, any part of it. What if, what if, do we need to de- destroy the gem necessarily? What if, if all the magic was was taken from it? What if it was unusable? I mean, what's the difference? Well, I mean, like if I if I was an all powerful magic deity and I heard the words destroy something, I'd be thinking something explosive. But if I heard make it unusable or drain magic from it, I'd be thinking potentially a little smaller scale. Okay, deactivate the gem. <laughs> and what about the already growing fissure in the room? <laughs> Would be the plan well, in that course of action. The plan to close the r- rift was to blow up the pace and thereby destroy the rift. Right. Maybe I could use that the, was the gem point. to close the rift and then destroy it. Destroy it how? With a wish. Could Druzzy not try and innately use the, the gem to close the fissure and then separately use the gem to cast wish to try and get, get rid of it? Or like disempower it in some way? Yeah, yeah. I would say that in that situation, if she's picking up the gem to like gain the ability to, to cast a spell basically magical energy but she's not using wish to do that like thing it's gonna require a like a, a magic use check to try and use the thing to close the fissure and it's gonna be a high check and it could break bad like if she's trying to use it like a magical o- object instead of like casting a spell that she has control over the outcome of there's gonna be a check involved 
But you've got these eyeglasses. You've got the opportunity to, to, to look at a few different courses of action. Yeah. I think I think Jody can cast Guidance on Druzzy, which is like a little bit of a, a, a bonus there. Um, and then, like, you are a pretty good magic user. Like, is there any way we can give advantage to that in some way? Or does, do you have inspiration, Druz? I do. I don't know what from. I mean... A spellcasting check with inspiration and guidance, like, probably actually sounds a safer bet than Wish. To try and close the fissure and then one one problem down, we can try and go from there and do something about this gem. What I'm feeling here that I'm loving is, like, Jody Mastana desperately trying to do everything he can to avoid an eventuality where Drazilia has to go down with the ship. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I wonder I'm if that. that was going I think on. that tracks. He's, he's using his sailor feet to stop anyone from going overboard, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, that tracks so nicely. But what if I... What if we could revive Elva? And she... Because she was going to go down with the ship. What's he looking at me? <laughs> But we, like, in all fairness, we know we don't know what to do here. And we know that Elvar does. So it's not just like, fuck it, you take it. It's like, you're dead anyway. We need you to finish your job. (laughs) She was saying she was happy to die to do this. Like, that was her plan going in here, was to die to do this thing. I mean... Can wit and I could wish, wish her back wish, to life. Wish right? can revive someone, yeah, and it's not like a a game breaking wish, right? Isn't it like? Oh, is it not? Yeah, I thought that one was of one, the, of the... one of the uses of wish is a revive of a person, and that's and that's not like you might die. That is it? Like it's like a a more standard use of wish. No, no, it's that would that would be like the the basic use of the spell to emulate any other spell, and resurrect is is one other spell. So like, yeah, you could totally do that. You could bring Elva back to life. You could re-imbue this ancient Sine. That sounds like, honestly, the most sensible plan in terms of us getting out of here alive. Um, Jody Jody raises the eyeglasses (laughs) and is like, should I... Should I look? Yeah. And if it isn't going to work, then... Well, then we know that's one plan down. Yeah. Um, fuck it. Yeah, Jody, Jody pops on those eyeglasses. Hmm. Okay. Roll a d hundred for me. <laughs> okay. Um. Uh, that is a forty-nine. Okay. I think Jody does feel the thing contract, but forty-nine is enough that he doesn't take massive damage. He just feels like a, a he feels like a wave of space contracting around him, and he takes twelve bludgeoning damage uh, as his head feels a little bit compressed. Uh, but he gets the impression that this isn't the massive damage these glasses can deal. That's just <laughs> yeah. like a, a he's not, sense he's of not what these cocky. can do. He's not like <laughs> these these assholes. Yeah, he he feels like a, a real fucking headache. Yeah. Um, but he also sees. Five minutes pass rapidly, and I need to know. I need to know something about what Jody would do in order to give him that. So, Jackson, I'm just going to message you really quickly. All right, um, and you can just respond. And everyone, everyone, just chill for a few minutes because Jody's actions in the next five minutes will inform where Jody ends up in five minutes. 
Okay, uh, I'm going to read some of this out, but only Jody is seeing it. So, Jackson, there's a bit of it that I'm actually just going to type out and, and send to you for suspense purposes, and then we'll we'll fill it into everyone else later. Jody puts the glasses on his face, and he sees five minutes transpire in just a series of rapid flashes. And the things he sees are this. He sees Drasilia grabbing the gem. He sees Elva gasping for breath. He sees Duncan and Drasilia carrying Valeria as they leave. Then he sees the void. Interesting. Um, as in like a a personal void or like an end of the world sort of void. <laughs> What's the scope of the um, void? Would you say? I will that? say. <laughs> oh, I, I would say he he feels his body corporeal. He feels his body, and he feels himself in a void. Weird. Okay. Does he tell us that, Jody? What did you see? And so, in the vision. What Valeria, Druzzy, and Duncan got out. He sees them all leaving the room he's currently in. Yeah. Then he sees the void. Oh, no. Jody, talk to us. What's going on? If we... If we bring Elva back, we can close the fissure and destroy the piece. Hey, did... Did you see how it works? It was mostly flashes, quick images, like, speeding past. Can I take an insight check to see what, like, how that lands? Like, whether it seems like he's obfuscating? I will say Jody wasn't lying there at all, but you can take an insight check to see if you think he he knows more than he's letting on. Uh, 17 on insight. I think, like, because uh, he wasn't lying, but he is kind of, like, lie of omissioning, I suppose. That Yeah, make a deception check, I suppose. Uh, yeah. And, and you won't, like, you won't get, like, he's lying if you beat it, but you'll probably get, like, he's being a little bit coy, I suppose. That yeah. seems like something you could get with an insight check. Um, yeah. I, I rolled an 18, take one is also 17. <laughs> 17 ties! Who's got higher charisma? Mine's zero. It's gonna be Duncan. So Duncan tech technically wins that check, but I'm gonna say it's so down the line that Duncan he gets like an impression that there might have been more to what Jody's saying than what he just said, but he's not sure. So yeah. what are we waiting for? Are we doing this? I think Duncan's a little on edge now, but he's not like jumping to like, what are you not telling us? Yeah. He's just kinda like, uh. I think Jody yeah, Jody turns to Drazi and is like yeah, we should act fast. R- revive uh, Elva. Druzzy grabs the piece. I mean the gem. Okay. Druzzy grabs the focus gem out of Luthor's basin and she feels something that she hadn't quite yet realised was missing, which is the magical energy in this room course back into her body and she feels the power to cast a spell. Does she cast Wish to try and revive Elva? <laughs> um, 
She looks back at the boys and with a question in her eyes. Jody nods. Drazi wishes Elvar back to life. Drazi feels this power channeling out through the gem, through her body, through her hand, and into Elva, who she sees, like, twitch on the ground, and then sit up with a shuddering inhalation of breath. And she's sitting there, and she's, like, wide-eyed, looking around the room, and she says, Did you do it? Where's Maleficus? Is that... Oh, Christ, Rosalia, did you try and use the gem? Maleficus is dead. He almost killed you. She um, glances up at the fissure, glances over at you holding the gem, and says, We need to act fast to destroy that gem. Where's Valeria? And she pans her vision around to uh, find Valeria and sees her lying unconscious but stable against the wall and says, Oh, Christ. Valeria and I had made a deal. I need a second pair of hands to complete this ritual to destroy that gem. They don't have to be a magic user. They don't have to be anyone specific. I just need assistance and it obviously can't be Valeria right now. And she looks Mm. at the three of you pleadingly and says, we need to act fast. The fissure is growing. I'm so sorry to ask this of you, but one of you is going to have to stay behind. Duncan clicks as to what he was wary of from Jody, and pretty quickly says, I'll do it. She also sees the glasses in Jody's hand and sort of like looks at Jody knowingly. And then she looks over at Duncan saying, I'll do it. And she says, this isn't a decision I can make for you. But you must make it quickly. I think Jody just simply steps forward towards Elva and looks at the other two and is like, the next thing I saw was the two of you grabbing Valeria and getting out of here. If there's one thing we figured out, it's that we can change what happens next. You're leaving, mate. You've got a lot more left to give. Of all of us, I am the most likely to survive anything that might happen. No offense to all of you. I know we have a lot of fun. Oh, ha, ha who's the toughest among of us? Oh, it's not Jody. Oh, ha, ha. But at the end of the day, it can be falling rocks. It can be an explosion. It can be a race against time. I, I am the best equipped to deal with this. It's a matter of numbers, Duncan. You know that. Elva, what happens? There's no way of knowing. This has never been done before. I do know that... The majority of the magical energy of this plane will currently be stored within that gem there. And when we detonate it, there will be an explosion. I don't know how big. I don't know how deadly. But it should be enough to destroy the fissure. I can get out with my cloak. You can't guarantee it would work, but what I would ask you as one last favour, Duncan, is that you leave your cloak with me. I promise you, you understand this better than most. This is the best chance for the most of us to survive. But I'm the Sine descendant. This is surely got to be the best chance we have, is if I 
use whatever magical power I can. I think I think Jordy just looks at the two of you and is like, "I am, I am happy with this. I have, I have felt joy and sorrow, and I've had laughter and tears, and I've I felt so much in my life and with you, and I'm not." I'm not afraid of facing this, but Drazi, there is so much that you can do for the world. <laughs> there is so much that you can do to help people that they're going to need you. You have you have a power that is astounding. And myself, I am <laughs> I am good at surviving and at now I guess at uh, helping to uh, I guess take down big enemies. But that's not I could <laughs> never be tro- properly be a healer or something like that. And Duncan, you are not. You're not done. You you have a good person in your heart, and you're not done. No, I'm not done, Jody. Not yet. But what you say about Drozzy is true of you. And Duncan, in a maneuver deliberately to deal non-lethal damage, whips round his pike and cracks the rod of it across Jody's head. And Duncan, make that attack roll against Jody. And Jody, how do you react to that? I guess now we're having PvP here. Um, now I would, I my ranger thing would give me advantage in surprise. This would count, right? Or... I think that's pretty surprising. Uh, you reckon? I, I I reckon Jody is more than willing to like sort of like stand his ground and have, expect to have to like fight off one or two of them. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to take whatever you think, but uh, well, if you think Jody was prepared for an attack, then maybe not. I, I, I don't think this surprises Jody. Knowing Duncan, knowing what was likely to come next, you yeah. think this isn't a surprise for Jody? I mean, that, that's why Jody moved okay. forward sort of Elva and then spun around to face the other two. Like, he's he's taking... Oh, so he's position. positioning himself between... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fuck. I rolled a five. Um, the pike that's going to turn into a fucking <laughs> yeah, no, that's not 15 to hit. I think Jody just sidesteps the pike and it clatters into the ground. Jody just looks at Duncan and implores him and is like, you owe this to me now. I want you to walk out of this place to live, to reconcile who you are with yourself and to make good in this world. That's what you owe me now. That is what I want. And like he's like barreling Duncan. Gisilia says... Looks at Jody and says, "This is what you saw, isn't it?" Jody nods. I will do everything I can to get out of here. Yeah, for your guys' context, the part of the vision that I only wrote to Jackson because I didn't think it was fair that you guys would actually get to hear it was that he saw himself and Elva conducting the ritual and the piece detonating, and then he saw himself moving through the void after you guys left. All right. Jazilia turns to Duncan and says, Listen to him, Duncan. I want to do what he says. Duncan drops the pike. He walks over and he hugs Jody. Yeah, Jody embraces Duncan back. Jazilia gets in there too. And then um, <laughs> Duncan takes off his cloak and puts it on Jody's shoulder, the, the special one. Drazilia takes off her hat and puts it on his head. 
I love that your your la- your potential last image of Jody is going to look like he <laughs> fell into a box of dress-ups. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's like a discount magician. Um, <laughs> Make your way out, mate. Yeah, Jody looks at looks at them both, and I think he like he like yeah he holds their hands and is just like, "I love you both, and I hope to see you on the other side." And then um, squeezes their hands, and then steps back and walks to Elva. You make it out, or I'm gonna have to come and find you, mate. <laughs> I look forward to it. Druzzy runs over to Valeria, goes to grab her. Yep. Uh, is that a druzzy, a druzzy responsibility thing? <laughs> Carrying an unconscious person out of I the mean, room? I mean, will definitely... Like, I think as Druzzy's trying to hoist uh, Valeria onto her shoulder, Duncan comes and just, like, takes the load. He's like, I'll do it. It is, it is so funny to me, like, apathetic Druzzy after all this time is like, you're right, we're doing this. And then he's just trying to, like, fucking carry her out of the burning building. That's very good. <laughs> Okay, I think you guys say your farewells, Duncan bails up Valeria, and you start walking out, and as you're walking out of the room, you turn around and you see Jody and Elva standing at Luthor's basin, joining hands, and then all three of you, for a second, for a moment, would swear that there were ten other people standing in that circle encircling the altar and then Elva looks up at you and says get moving Duncan turns and runs and then Elva standing in this circle of two corporeal bodies and ten ethereal figures smiling all at each other Jody sees faces he recognises, he sees Dandela, he sees Luthor, he sees Devar, and the rest of the Cine. And Elva says, Are you ready? I am. And then we see Duncan and Drazilia sprinting out of the top of the mine. Duncan has Valeria over one shoulder, Esme over another. And they're halfway across <laughs> the floor of the quarry when an earth-shaking explosion happens deep inside the mine. And they feel the ground shake. They see parts of the mine entrance begin to crumble. And they hear a momentary pause in the conflict overhead as every person in Snakesbane Spring stops what they're doing and turns in the direction of the mine. Now, I'd like to jump forward in time and look at how things have changed in this world as a result of what you all accomplished. I'd like to jump to a year later, 
And I've got offers for each of you, but I also want to hear what those of you who are still on the planet think your characters have been up to in that time, uh, both immediately after the Battle of Snakesbane Spring and over the rest of that first year. I've got some larger, world-shaping kind of stuff to talk about as well, but we'll come back to that. For now, what do you think your characters do after the battle or after the explosion, if you like? Well, I'm thinking, like, Duncan takes Esme up top, all tied up, shows her to the armies and is all like, put down your fucking weapons, starts, like, killing anybody who isn't dropping their weapons, then, like, drops Esme, goes back down and starts digging out that mine straight away. Yeah, I think we can say all of that happened. Duncan goes up, the battle is essentially over. I mean, without Esme or the werewolf, the combined surprise forces were winning the war, and upon seeing Esme bound and gagged and a, a furious bloodied Duncan, the battle was quickly turned uh, and, and finished. And... Duncan spends as much time as he likes digging out that mine with as many men as he wants to help him. And eventually, if he makes it back down to the room, back down to the crucible, he finds it empty. There's no fissure. There's no altar. But there are also no bodies. There's no Jody and no Elva. I, I, I think, like, when he's down there, he definitely uses Detect Portal to see if there is a planar portal nearby. Like a web portal? Yeah. How, how far is the detect portal spell for? I detect the distance and direction for the closest planar portal within one mile. Duncan knows that, well, within one mile of this location, he detects no open web portals. Mm. But, I mean, he knows where a few are. Like, just not within one mile. Like, he knows yeah. where some are if he wants to go find them. But he doesn't have any pieces. Nobody does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's probably a good time to talk about what some of the other characters do after the battle and some of the bigger picture things which have changed. A lot of things change in the world in the next few months. Immediately after the battle, Jathra sends her forces to help with Duncan's excavation of the mine. And after they find nothing, she turns her attention once more to the west. She and her forces begin the grim task of prosecuting the final days of a war. They march towards Carthus City, uniting with other Eastern League and Carthan resistance forces, and starting to clean up the pockets of the Carthan army that are left, now without several of their best commanders. And we'll come back to Carthus at large a little bit later. Um, for the moment, we've got some characters to talk about. Once the fighting is over, Garrick and Andrea finally have a moment to breathe, and they embrace, bloodied and exhausted, taking a moment of bittersweet celebration amongst the wreckage. They know that, finally, the worst of it is over, and the world is safe, for now at least, but... They also know the friends they've lost along the way. They, and everybody else, knows the sacrifice that Jody made. Valeria, for her part, recovered from her unconscious state a few hours later to find Garrick sitting at her bedside. They stare at each other in silence for a moment, and then they both break out in tears and laughter. They fill each other in on what they've missed what they've lost, and what they've accomplished. 
After catching up, Garrick grows slightly uncomfortable. There's, a uh, someone I'd like you to meet. And Andrea steps into the tent. Uh, Valeria, meet Andrea. I've heard a lot about you, Andrea says. Garrick wouldn't shut up about you. Well, hello to you too, Valeria says with a smile. I guess you're at least partially responsible for bringing this idiot through the last few months alive. Andrea nods. Valeria smiles broader. Consider me in your debt. Once things are settled at Snakesbane Spring, the three of them, Valeria, Andrea and Garrick, along with our heroes, Hasselback and his monks, and the rest of the group, they head back to Sanctuary, where Alvar and Drasilia's parents are eagerly waiting, having gotten word from Elena. Another round of reunions takes place. Everyone embraces, everybody laughs and cries and celebrates and mourns. And Alvar finds a moment to take Valeria aside. She was breathtaking, wasn't she? He asks. Who? Elva? Yes. Yes, she was. Truly the last of her kind. I only spoke to her for a short while, but even just to speak with her at all after a life studying their works. It was easy spending so much time with her to forget just how impressive she was. I suppose that's about the best first-hand research you could hope for. I guess our project is finished. And Valeria smiles again and raises her voice for Garrick and Andrea to hear. No, Alvar. There's much more to the Cine than we yet understand, even now. We're just getting started. Afterwards, there's a dinner, and there's wine, and cider, and merriment, and sorrow, and there's more than one tearful toast to Jody Mastana and all who are lost. And in the morning, many move on, but Hasselback and his monks remain. What will you do now? Garrick asks before leaving. We'll rebuild Sanctuary, now that it's safe, he says without a moment's hesitation. And then? I think I'll get in touch with my brother, Kipfler. See if we can put his smuggling route to good use, selling some Sanctuary cider. Without the peace in the Temple of Life, it won't have its magical restorative properties, but I think it'll still find a market... And they laugh, and they cheers, and they part. Trent Allgood and the Halimians and the Jespersons and the rest of the people of Hastings, having had enough of the outside world for now, make their way home to Hastings and start rebuilding their lives too. Mel, the farmer, having gotten a taste for whipping Carthens soldiers, joins up with the forces working to finish the war. And let's come back to that for a minute. With minimal resistance, it isn't long before Jathra's forces are at the gates of Carthus city proper. King Jordain of Carthus, upon seeing the approaching banners, to everyone's surprise, is ready to surrender and talk terms. It seems that since Maleficus' destruction, his mind has cleared. 
some kind of charm spell which had been poisoning his course of action for the past years is lifted, and he is both sickened and saddened by the things which were done in his name. Seeing himself as unfit to hold the throne, he abdicates, but not before ruling for the dissolution of the monarchy entirely, not wanting to see any one person capable of being responsible for so much damage again, when people are so susceptible to evil. And in the kingdom's place, it's a bit uncertain for a time, there are pockets that hold out, but a new kind of governance is installed. The kingdom of Carthus is divided into a series of smaller city-states, not unlike the Eastern League, each with a democratically elected leader. And together with the city-states of the League, these democratically elected leaders sit on a council, the United Council, to make decisions for the betterment of the world. Shortly after, a trial is held and one Esme is quickly convicted and imprisoned for her crimes. As I said, it's a bit rocky at first, but over the coming months, a sense of peace and normalcy slowly starts to return. What do you think Duncan does in those interceding 12 months? How involved is he in that campaign, and then what does he do afterwards? Well, I think think as soon as he gets to that room and there's no body, he starts... He just devotes his energy trying to find a way to uh, getting back to the web. So he throws himself into research. Like, he probably he probably goes with Garrick and Andrea and Valeria and Alvar. And do you think he, like, he joins them in, like, a research team, essentially? Because, like, I will say, like, that segues nicely into what those guys do. Uh, Garrick and Andrea and Alvar and Valeria all devote themselves to scholarly research. I mean, like, they've all got a lot of first-hand experience with this Cine stuff now, but they're learning every day as they explore these old Cine ruins and find tablets and books and chambers unexplored that there was so much more, so many more works done by the Cine than you ever even knew about. And I think, like, without a tyrannical government, without a war going on, yeah, like, they essentially become, like, a treasure-hunting, dungeon-crawling crew. Do you think Duncan kind of, like, hangs out with them as, like, muscle to help them move through these Cine temples and, like, find whatever he can? Yeah, I mean, like, I would think that a wisdom score of 13 makes him more than muscle, but, yeah, like, <laughs> he, uh, as their, you know, as as a useful colleague who has a yeah, oh, spiritual absolutely. connection absolutely. to the web... <laughs> <laughs> Sweet on the Definitely. eyes. Definitely an integral, an integral component of the team. Mm. And where does he, where does he live during this year's endeavors? Like, where does Duncan call home? Like, I think he goes to Aspera. Yeah, I think he does. I think he does, and I think that, like, now that it's safe, once again, Valeria and Garrick and Alva and Andrea set up essentially their base of operations there. And they think about Jody every day. Being a Cine ruin in itself, it seems like a good place to start. And from there, they go on expeditions to find what they can. And we'll come back to what happens to Duncan 12 months on in this newfound piece. What does Tresilia do with her time? Because if I'm not mistaken... The number one thing Drasilia wanted was to live obligation-free 
under her own rules. So, like, Dracilia, what does she do as one of the most powerful magical um, creatures in this land? Yeah, so what you were saying about um, her wanting to live obligation-free, I think, in my mind, the journey that Josie's been on is, in the beginning, she felt like what she wanted was no responsibility, no obligation, but actually what she wanted was her autonomy, and she has that. And I think, like, coming out of this, like, the disillusion of this makeshift family that she had found for herself drives her back towards her actual family. I think she went to the party, for sure, and she goes back to Hastings, and (laughs) I have given this a little bit of thought. I think she starts a new adventuring crew with Cerulea and that other chick who wanted to be a wizard. What, Petunia? Petunia. Petunia, (laughs) Jasper. Yeah, with Cerulea and Petunia. And I think, yeah, when she, like, sees that her hometown is safe and settled, they set out north. Okay. Yeah, I've got, I've got a question for you, Drazi. I've got a question for you. So, um, Drazilia's family survived the whole ensuing chaos. Trent Trent was kept captive. Like, Trent was taken prisoner in the assault on Hastings, and he was free. And I'm going to rule that Trent survives. What's Drazilia's relationship with Trent like back in Hastings? Where, like, he's making a strong campaign for being mayor. I'm going to say, like, this, this time, like, 12 months on, is essentially when, like... Drazilia's mother has decided, like, yes, she's still alive, but she's seen enough, and this world is so new to her, and it's not fair of her to stay mayor. So she's retiring, and there's a mayoral election. And, like, I don't want to give you the result of that election, but I will say Trent is campaigning hard, as, like, a veteran of protecting the town, a veteran of the (laughs) battles, like, he's seen a bit of the outside world. He's like, I'm the man, me, Trent, all good, Gimme, gimme mayorship of the town. He's not the man, though. He's half barrel, half man. <laughs> half barrel, half elf, isn't he? <laughs> half barrel, half man, yeah. all man. Yeah, half elf. <laughs> like, does Drozzy give a shit about that? Like, does she no, engage with trends at all? Not at all. She... <laughs> She's more than happy for him to be mad. I fucking love that Trent was like... Oh yeah, my ex has like gotten really powerful, and I'm gonna go this like fucking like random fucking dude and do my best. Is a prisoner of war, becomes like a prominent figure, and she's like, I literally could not give a shit about you, Trent. <laughs> she is Shania Twain. That don't impress her much. Well, I think. Oh boy. In Drazilia's mind, that it was always like, you know, she was gonna be mayor. In her parents' eyes, she was gonna be mayor, and he was gonna be like first man. First barrel, sorry. Um, <laughs> um, and so <laughs> she's quite happy with the, um, a situation where he takes all of that responsibility and she doesn't have to have any part of it. Okay, fantastic. So in that 12 months, how much does she see and keep in touch with Duncan and Garrick and Valeria and the whole crew? Um, I think that before they parted, she made sure that they each had a linked sending stone and, um, you know, anytime 
we need help or anytime they need help, I'd like to think that, you know, maybe we come knocking. Okay. So you think she leaves and heads north on like an adventuring party. So let's play out that moment, that thing where she leaves. I think like we've we've seen enough, I think, of um, Drasilia and her parents. I think we can kind of leave leave that farewell in, like, the mayor's house that, by the way, they'd be moving out of, right? Because her mum's retiring as mayor. Uh, so, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe there's something <laughs> sad for Drasilia about, like, she's leaving her home again, but also her childhood home is going to be, like, gone. Like, Yeah, so- but I think there's more of a sense of, um, you know, she's not running away this time. She's Yeah, she can come back whenever. Forth. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, by the way, important to note, Hastings is fucking wrecked because the town got raided a little, like, not long ago and no one's been here <laughs> since. So, like, Hastings is a fucking shit show. All right, well, Drozzy leaves her childhood home, stepping over the rubble of her, her toys from her infancy. Yeah. yeah, and her parents are, like, too busy packing up to give a shit. They're like, what? Mm. Yeah, whatever, come back for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. We'll see, we'll see you then. Um, no, I'm sure it's it's much more involved than that. But what I'm really interested in discussing is as she steps outside into the street, pack on her back, I think she runs into Cerulea out there. <clears throat> um, yeah, I was wondering where I'd find you. Didn't seem like you really looked too hard at all. Um, no one told me you were asking around. I just said goodbye to mum and dad. Oh. So you're going then, and what, you you weren't going to say goodbye to me? Well, I kind of thought maybe I wouldn't. And I think um, on that, Drasilia reaches into her rucksack (gasps) and maybe pulls out one of her daggers. Oh, shit! (laughs) I love that. I Mm. thought you were going to go for a a second hat. The shit is going to be like... Guess what? Yeah, she pulls out a very feathered cap. <laughs> yeah, nice. And a little dagger. <laughs> and a little dagger. And she hands them to Cerulea and says, Do you really want to stay here? Or can I interest you in something a little bit bigger? I think she um, looks down at the things you've given her and she like tosses the dagger like from her left to her right hand, gives it a flip, and then like... Like just like throws it like like really fast into a nearby tree, and it like thwacks into the tree, and the hilt is just kind of like vibrating there. And oh, so she doesn't have to do a bloody performance check? Unbelievable! <laughs> no, she doesn't. We've already established she's good with daggers. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think she she walks over and she retrieves it, and she says, "Well, you know, after my last time leaving town to try and find you after you'd gone missing, didn't." And so, well, uh, you think I might be a little bit more cautious about it, but I guess I'll just have to come along to make sure you don't go missing again. Sounds good to me. Hey, have you seen um, Petunia around anywhere? Oh yeah, she's down at the bar. Well, we should swing by. I feel like to do this properly, we need three. Oh, that's very cute, Grace. Um... And I love that you said that you would venture off to the north, and I'm going to come back to why that's really important in a minute, because something quite profound has happened here, right? I mean, like a a war that's been going on for generations has ended. 
and society has restructured in 12 months. I mean, there's been chaos. There's no doubt been holdout groups that didn't want to stop fighting. And like all of that's just been getting cleaned up in the background. But it seems like you guys have had your fill of that and have been like quite keen to not be involved. But I am going to say that 12 months on, Duncan is sitting in Esper after a day's activity when there is an approaching caravan. And stepping out of that caravan in the courtyard at Espera and seeking Duncan specifically are some familiar faces. It's Elena and Commander Jathra of the Eastern League. And they seek Duncan out and ask him for an audience. Go on then. So they find a room to chat and Jathra says... I'm going to come right down to it, Duncan. 12 months have passed. Normalcy is returning. And there needs to be an accounting for things that were done during the war. Does Duncan react to that? What have you got in mind? Elena chimes in and says, This is really difficult for all of us, Duncan, because... Well, I mean, we don't want to discount the good you did. And believe me, no one is. We're not doing that at all. But you committed war crimes, Duncan, when you were working with the werewolf. And there needs to be an accounting for that. If we're going to build a new kind of society, then, well, the trials of people on both sides of the conflict, mind you, now that we have a united world... People from both sides who did things in the war are being held accountable for their actions, and the trials begin in a few weeks. And Jathra says, Now, we've done a lot of work in making sure these trials are fair. And I'll say, like, the roles that they've taken, like, just to to make that clear. Jathra was the commander of the military, which won the assault on Carthus, so she became the chief of the United Council's Defence Committee. She has a mandate to defend the United City-States and commands their combined forces when that's relevant. She also sits on the military tribunal, which is running these trials. And Elena, for her part, well, she went back home to her home state in the Eastern League and, after playing a central role in the war and the events that saved the world, she had no problem becoming their elected representative. She sits on the United Council and she's also involved in the trials. And Jathra says, we've put a lot of work to make these fair, and believe me, if you go to trial, all of your good will be accounted for. I mean, you helped save the world, Duncan, there's no two ways about it. But we do have another option for you. And Elena says, things have become clear in the last 12 months, Duncan. Um, Whilst we've united Carthus and the Eastern League, Strange things have begun to emerge in the deserts to the north and beyond. And we need an exploratory force to go and investigate that situation. So, we've been authorised by the council, given your impressive record, to offer you a stay of your trial if you agree to join that exploratory force. What's going on up there? Jathra says, It's weird, we don't know fully, but some of our northern communities have reported attacks, strange 
aberrant magical beings seeming to come out of thin air and almost like they're not from this world. We're putting a force together of people who... I'll go. You don't even let her finish? Fucking big dick move. <laughs> don't even let her finish. She says, not from this world, and Duncan is in. <laughs> Elena says, with a wry smile, I thought you might see that. And Jathra says, well then, um, no sense wasting our time, Duncan. Your enlistment papers will be coming within the week. They'll give you your instructions. Right, I. And so, funnily enough, one year on, Drasilia and Duncan both find themselves adventuring to the north of the kingdom of Carthus, unsure of what they're looking for and unsure of what they're going to find, but sure that a new day is upon them. And there's one other person who we need to consider in all of this. Because when I said Jody saw himself in the void, I wasn't lying. You see, in the detonation that destroyed the fissure, it created a temporary rift in all dimensions, into which Jody Mastana was sucked. And given Jody has an eternal body that doesn't age or require food or water... <laughs> <laughs> He's just been rocketing through that void between dimensions for a year now. Oh my god. But with your permission, Jackson, I'd like to duck back to Jody's first day in the void between dimensions, if I may. I mean, honestly, the days are pretty similar, but that's a good place to start. What is. What does Jody do on his first day? So, is Elva there as well? No. It's got to be zero gravity stunts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. First, first, he's just there. He's just like flipping around and like, <laughs> like he breaks so many records. It's stupid. Like, and at a certain point, but like not as quickly as yeah. you would think. He gets tired of it, but like he spends. A long time, just kind of like, well, technically, like, this is, like, 20 backflips in a row. Um, yeah, I mean, does he know for sure that he's alive? I don't know. I mean, he feels like he's alive. But he also feels a weight in his pack, which is on his back. Oh, shit. Um, I guess if Jody here... <laughs> is blasted into the void and that sort of thing. Um, I think he's, after some stunts, um, he'd probably want to actually try and, you know, figure out what's going on and that sort of thing and come to terms with what's going on. Um, but I think he'd also, given that things are quiet now, uh, take a second to read that leftover gift from, from Tress. Yeah, I think he does. And so what he finds is a brown paper-wrapped package with a letter atop it. And assuming he tucks into the letter, he reads it. Now, Jody left Espera when he was but 15 years old, a year before he would have aged into the Enclave, but close to that birthday. And Jody becomes aware very quickly that this is a 16th birthday present that he never got a chance to receive. And... 
Inside, the letter reads as follows. Jody, happy birthday. I can't believe you're 16. Old enough to join the Enclave now. Wink, wink. I'm so proud of the progress you've made with your magic, even if you are still a bit of a scrub. But in all seriousness, Grandmaster Talitha has asked me to pass you a message, given our relationship and my position in the Enclave. This is part of your present. Since you came to this monastery, Jody, we've always known that you were different. You're not like the rest of us. You aren't meant to stay here forever. You came to us from the outside world, Jody, and whilst Espera will be your home as long as you want it to, and you'll always be welcome here, we know, we can sense, the outside world calls to you in a way that it just doesn't for most of us. And that's why you've been selected for a special assignment, Jody. Go ahead, open the box, take a look. And does Jody do it before reading on? Yeah. Jody unwraps the brown wrapped package and finds a box inside, and when he lifts the lid on that box, he's just floored by a sapling cut from the great tree of Vespera, preserved by some kind of magic, and he immediately remembers the rose that he found inside Devar's Sine Temple, the Temple of Sea, and how it seemed to be magically preserved to survive a thousand years. And he reads on in the letter, and it says, It's a cutting, Jody, from the Great Tree. The Enclave discovered some ancient magic which allows for the preservation of plant matter. And we need you to take this tree far and wide and help us spread the work we're doing here. It's time to plant a new great tree, Jody, and you're the one to do it. I'm so excited for you. I can't wait. There'll be a formal briefing tomorrow in the Great Hall, but tonight, let's party. Your friend, Tress. Um... I think Jody just cries. <laughs> like, like, yeah. With the security of someone that knows they are trapped inside a void where no one can ever see them, I think <laughs> Jody just, like, cries like it's a fucking profession. We see our final image, our three heroes, each facing a new adventure of sorts each with their faces turned in the direction of things unknown, heading to a place they've never been before. We see Drasilia in the setting sun of the northern deserts, laughing with her sister and Petunia as they ride north. We see Duncan grimly strapping on the armour he thought he was done with as he prepares for yet another military enlistment, and similarly rides north. And we see Jody cradling this immortal sapling from the Great Tree of Espera. And then we see something surprising. Something to cut through a year 
of hurtling through the void. We see a flash of light hit Jody's face. And he looks up. And we see nothing else. 